Now, the circus is in town. I've heard that before. What does that actually mean? Is like, is he asking, did she fuck like one of the freaks? No, I think it's like, like switching the kid for a sideshow yeah. freak yeah, or something. One of the sideshow. That makes people. a lot more sense. But when the baby came out a pinhead, they would have known there was a problem. Is that why maybe she could have been known as the sword swallower? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I hate laughing at you when you make a joke, but that actually got me, you dickhead. You're batting a thousand away. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge went 126 episodes over five seasons, originally airing on CBS before moving to syndication. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing October 3rd, 1984. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, all the boys, Gordo, Joe, Nick, and Ferg. What's going on, guys? Hey, Not you, goon machine. <laughs> I have that specifically noted that it is now my favorite term ever. They use that. The one thing about this episode that's really interesting is they use the same, like they make references over and over again, and they make the same comments over and over again and do a ton of callbacks, but not once are you like, mad about it you're just like oh this seems yeah, no, like was good all, clever was writing i thought um i want to make just myself a shirt that's just a black shirt that in white letters just says goon machine uh i feel like I, w- I would wear that shirt yeah i feel like people might think it's a hockey thing though I'm yeah. a, who cares what people think the shirt is it, like either way they're not gonna know and honestly, unless you run into willie ames somewhere in his bible man costume and he's <laughs> like not you goon machine <laughs> Can we talk about Bible Man for a minute? Did you guys look into Bible have, Man? Do we have to? Um, never, go for it. Yeah. Okay, okay, so Willie Ames, weird... played Buddy Lembeck, by the way. So Yeah, Willie Ames. This Willie was Ames like the was weird great. thing where in the mid-90s, I first heard of this. Maybe on like Entertainment Tonight or something. They're like, you wouldn't recognize this actor from Charles in Charge anymore. And then I've just had a weird, like slight obsession with Bible Man ever since. It's now like a CGI show. Like it's still going. It's on like season 40 or something. It's, it's still crazy. running? They're still making new Bible Man properties. Is he still connected no, to it? I think he he took off the mask in like 2010 or something. Okay. Oh, it's animated now. Yeah. Well, you can still do. He has he such a voice. He has such a voice for that type of thing. Like if he was a voice actor these days, I wouldn't be shocked at all. What's yeah, Bible I, Man though? So Bible Man is, and the original ones that Willie that Buddy is in are pretty amazing. It almost is like um like Are You Afraid of the Dark level production. Like very early nineties. So awesome. Uh, the production though. Uh, he's a superhero who is called Bible Man, who is always trying to do right and good. And he's got a few different villains, one of whom is like a Jokerish, like a professor character. And he's always trying to like help out kids with like you know Bible psalms and shit. It's it's worth watching. It's pretty wild. Where do we find Bible Man? Uh, you can watch a bunch of it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Probably. Not that that's what I did in my lunch break today. And um, just to get into it, what is everyone's remembrance of Charles in Charge? Did you all watch it growing up? It's the just... theme song. That's everybody's remembrance of Charles in Charge. I actually remember a good amount of it. Amount of it. Um, the set really stood out to me. I remembered that like like block for block. Um, I did 
I didn't really remember the supporting cast so much. You know all. why? There's because a reason for that. Yeah. There's a total shift season three. And I guess it, before season we get into two. the actual episode, yeah, we'll talk about it. Oh, is it season two? It's season two. So this show actually was only on for a season and they were going to cancel it. So like even by the first season, they were like bouncing it around for time slots. It didn't even come back for two years. It was canceled. And then it came back two years later and they had retooled it, which is we'll talk about how they did it. But I think the way well, they wrote there it, it is. is pretty interesting. Yeah, um, Gordo, you, I assume you didn't watch this show, did you? I've never seen this show before. Did you know this show even existed? I've heard of Charles in Charge. I've just personally never seen it. Or you know if I, I have, I was so young that I don't remember it. An interesting tidbit about this show is that they never tell you Charles's last name at all throughout the entire run of the show. It's In Charge. <laughs> <laughs> Charles In Charge. I think but, it's uh, Dutch, maybe. And because of that, there was speculation. People thought that he was the same character as Chachi because they're both Charles. But when you go, like, timeline-wise, when so, it just doesn't work out. Like, he'd be far too old by the time the 80s existed. Chachi leaves Joni, and then he decides to pretend he's a college student. And then they let him watch a bunch of these kids. That would be a very interesting twist. You know what's funny, too, actually, is this set is, like... Um, just a more modernized version of the Happy Days house. It's got that stairway that leads right into the center of the living room. The front door is in the same spot. The kitchen's in the same spot, um, which is kind of an abnormal setup, I think, for a sitcom. Well, when you look at the setup of this house in general, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you look at... No, all that space behind the stairs is yeah, such like, a so, waste. Yeah, there's the <laughs> stairs and then there's rooms there. It's like, well, what's over the living room? Is the living room just all the way, like, gigantic 20-foot ceilings? Well, this yeah, is pre-Full House and a number of shows we've watched that there's just a random alcove in the kit. I was room. waiting for you to use the word. It's one of your favorite words. Like, low I only, I don't, I don't walk around saying alcove in my daily life. It just happens to be that there are a lot of alcoves <laughs> on sitcoms, and I feel like I'm saying it weird. Do you alcove. have an alcove in your house? I do not have an alcove. I do not have a sitcom house, I guess. Do you yeah, it's a uh, contractors on the way, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, if I could get an alcove put in here. Should also mention this is our uh, third nanny show in a row. What was, I know the nanny, this, and then what? In the house. In the house in last the house. week. Oh, you oh, weren't yeah, here last I, week. I wasn't here. Yeah, you we, missed last week. While you were gone, Nick, we did a whole episode, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but not to give up one of our other picks, but one of the next shows we're doing pretty soon is not a show that Scott Bayo is in on the pilot, but is in the second season. Yes. And someone else in that show isn't a nanny type show that we're not covering. So there's a couple yeah. teasers if you guys want to dig around and figure that out. If you love nannies. <laughs> this is our nan- all nanny all the time. Honestly, we should have the other show. We should have just blocked in and just pre-done it. So we had like nanny month or something. I don't I, know if there's like a national we, nanny, well, we month have, or something. nanny November would have been perfect. We didn't it do this have. intentionally. No, either. it wasn't. It was like the weirdest of coincidences actually, but. Um, we'll have to do like organic merch. nannying is way yeah. better. That's true. You don't want to force the nannying. It's like silence of the nannies in here. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we we touched on it a little bit earlier, and before we get into the episode, because I don't know how we naturally bring this up, we talked about the move to syndication. The family just gets swapped, Nick, after season one, but they do it in a way where the family moves and they re- like they rent the house to a new family, and that family somehow. Charles stays with them. Interesting. Okay. He's on vacation for the summer and he comes back and he's like, why is there a new family living here? And then they're just like, 
well, if you already lived here watching their kids, why don't you live here watching our kids? <laughs> yeah. How times have changed. The twist yeah. should have been Charles is dead the entire time and he's, his soul <laughs> is stuck with that house. He's he just watching his children. What's kind of weird is I feel like some of the people from the secondary cast are like fairly famous, right? Like Nicole Eggert is yeah. one of the people I always remember from Charles in Charge. And she's the daughter from like Mach 2, Charles in Charge. Joe, it's Charles in Charge. Yeah, Charles yeah. and Charles. Oh, I'm sorry, was I pronouncing it the Charles in charge? Charles. <laughs> Charles. I was say, one of the things I remember most about the show is Buddy just going like Charles. Yeah, this is a big one that was on syndication a lot when we were kids. I feel like I would catch this all the time and loved it. And you know what, too? We've we've had a few shows that do it this way where it runs into like first run syndication and everything. I was just gonna ask, what does that mean when it says when it moves from NBC to syndication or whatever channel? So basically the show basically self-funds itself, like a uh, production company makes the show and then sells the rights to air it. So it's not owned by a network anymore. So anyone can purchase the rights to air the show. Which also means it could be on in certain parts of the country and not on at all in others because Wait, that market didn't pick it up, right? Did we make it like almost 80 episodes before Gordo asked what syndication meant? Yeah. Also, <laughs> we definitely explained all of this during Mama's Family because Mama's Family was a strictly in syndication Yeah, I think it was episode. the first time we did a first one I'm not going to lie. I tuned out a lot of uh, Mama's Family, so I don't know. <laughs> we've, we've touched on it a that few times. That makes me very angry. There was a, I can't remember what show we did recently. It was the same thing. It went into first one syndication after a couple seasons. Yeah. In the I house, thought that it actually. Went, I thought that it went to like a subsidiary of another channel. Like, all right, like TBS USA, they're like subsidiaries of NBC, Disney, ABC. No, this is a no. separate thing. This is um, uh, legit, whoever like I wants said, it. Yeah, this a, would be like Fox doesn't run it, but your Fox station locally. Like, if Boston Fox Twenty Five wanted episodes of this, they could buy it and air it. So, like gotcha. a production company. Like a studio makes the show and then it's up to these like local stations if they want to purchase it and air it on their networks and stuff. I feel like people who are younger than us probably won't have remembered this and it's it's like such a gone thing, right? Now there's like the MeTVs, which are sort of like local and they do like local newscasts yeah. or whatever. Gotcha. But when yep. we were kids, there was a lot of channels that were like affiliate stations that did a lot of even their own programming. Like the WLVI Kids Club, like things like that, you know, that were like, or Zoom, which is yeah, like a Boston-based show, right? Uh, uh, Gordo, Crafts the, Critters. The best way, I don't know what that is. That was like PBS. <laughs> oh. um, so the best way to explain it, I guess, would be if you look modern day, like, so you know how Netflix sometimes makes their own shows, but then sometimes a show is made and they just buy it after it was already made by someone else? Yeah. It's like... Not really a Netflix original, but they just purchased it and aired it first. That's what like, happened. It's with, like that. That's what happened with the Sabrina, the darkest Sabrina show. Yeah. Like so it's made. Park Boys? Um, yeah, I don't it, remember exactly how that went. It yeah. might be for that too, though, because well, it happens a lot yeah. for, um, like Letterkenny, right? Like Hulu is the U.S. distributor of Letterkenny, but they don't have a stake in it. It's made by, um, the CBC. Gordo, for Trailer Park Boys, Netflix bought it and then paid for it to keep going. So that is a little different. So it's kind of like half syndicated through Netflix yeah. and half produced by Netflix after a certain point. But oh, syndication okay. is usually the show is already 
done, dead, and gone, and then somebody buys the rights to air it after the fact. Well, that's the difference between standard syndication, where like now you'll see episodes of Seinfeld on television, Uh, and first-run syndication, where it's airing for the first time that way. But it's the same. It's basically the same process, only they're paying for new episodes instead of something that's already you know expired. Oh. Well, thank you guys for educating me, and I'm sure that there are a few listeners yeah, out I'm, there. Yeah, hopefully who some of the listeners, yeah, <laughs> or uh, live vicariously through Gordo's stupidity. I just think it's nice to push uh, useless knowledge that does not matter anymore in 2022 into people's brains, so we can make people forget math. Yeah, because like I this, feel like, like that's how I think all the time. <laughs> because like first one syndication doesn't even like exist anymore. There's no need for it. Yeah, it's like such an sold. archaic thing at this yeah. point. So um, this is to get into the episode itself. This is one of those shows that just starts with the intro and not a lot there. It's one of those standard jingles like, you know, theme songs that has clips from the episodes within it. That kind of gives you all the actors that are on the show. One thing about it is, and I hate to do this because it's breaking our format as we do all but too much. I remember the intro being different because it was redone once it went into syndication. Yeah, I think in the syndication one, you see his room and his, like, the lives downstairs. Like, you see his, like, basement apartment. But right? it's not just that. The song itself. So the song that we heard on this version um, is a much duller version. I can't remember the, the person who sings it. This is the Shandy Cinnamon version, right? So, yeah, that's the original version. So she sings it. It's the same lyrics, same song, everything. But then they kind of redid it with um, a more, like, a little more upbeat and the music changes a little bit. But the lyrical content of the theme stays completely the same. They sound very similar back to back, but it was different in the newer version, which ran, yeah, ran for the majority of the show's run. And the only way we would have really known it is, um, all I remember. So hearing it this time, I was like, what's wrong with the theme? Like, it's just a lot of shows did that back in the day. Like, the Monsters is my first, like, memory of that, where, like, it was, they always, I remember the original one. It had a different guitar, but it was the same song. Um, what else? Uh, you mean the monsters Island. today, right? The Where the monsters? monsters? No, I, I, I don't mean the monsters today. I mean the original monsters run. They changed the theme halfway through. They changed it when Followed Boy did it. <laughs> you guys are the worst. Boo Earns. But, uh, thoughts about the intro itself? It's pretty standard. Go, um, Ferg, this is kind of your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, I love the theme song. Yeah, it's a great theme song and it does like a slight explanation. I didn't but it also, get any of that. It's a little long. It's a little long. Well, it's the thing is, it's sung from the point of view of one of the kids, and that's not really made abundantly clear until you like think about it. Yeah, it's I also just... kind of creepy now that I know yeah. that. Well, There's a new I boy in the neighborhood who lives me, downstairs yeah. and is misunderstood is being sung by on the first season an eighth grader, an eighth grade girl who del- tells him she has a crush on him. That's a little much. Oh, step Charles. <laughs> Charles. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, you say it runs too long, but I'm telling you, if you go back and you listen to the, like, slightly updated version that they did past season one, it doesn't feel that way. It's just a little, it's a little more energy behind it. I also felt like it was, like, missing three instruments. Like, it was just, like, it wasn't full. Maybe I'm remembering the one you're thinking of, too. I think that's what it is, yeah. Um, this version's a little dull. Yeah, it's pretty hollow. But uh, you'd never get this now, though. Now it would just be, like... The like a uh, sports center theme song, like Charles in charge, Charles in charge, and they just cut right into it. Like nobody does these like long drawn out songs anymore. Not too much. It, it is a dying world. art. From there, we get to the actual first scene, and we have Charles and his friend Buddy, and they're walking to the house all excited. And Buddy's just like, "You lucky stiff! You're the luckiest of the stiffs!" And they're like, they go into the ki- uh, into the kitchen, 
and they're excited and they keep mentioning the name Gwendolyn Pierce, who Buddy says is hotness personified. When God made Gwendolyn Pierce, that's when he knew he was God. Like, Did anybody else immediately want to throw a brick at this guy? No, love him. Really? <laughs> love oh, him. my yeah. God. No, he I'm drove you, me Nick. fucking nuts. I just immediately thought, just well, Bible man so would know. Hot. Like, Bible man's going to obviously <laughs> know this inside track on God. But, yeah, no, I, um, you know what I noticed? When he gets really excited, his, like, eyes bulge out. <laughs> that happened a few times in the episode. Is he He's... on Revenge of the Nerds? No. No. He was so going into this, he was from Eight is Enough. And then um, Scott Bayo, who played Charles, was known for being Chachi. Yeah. And he was in Happy Days as the same character before that. Uh, Jody loves Chachi in Happy Days. An interesting thing about this, too, I want to bring up before I forgot. I always love when we like, it feels like you unlock a level in a video game when you cover a show that has a lot of spinoffs. Because you're like, oh, well, now we have all these other shows that we can cover. Right, So I was thinking about it today, and I was like, there had to have been a Turtles in Charge spinoff. And I looked it up, and there is none, but the last season does four separate, or three or four, I can't remember, uh, backdoor pilot episodes, none of which actually became shows. So now I'm just really intrigued to watch those three episodes that act as pilots for other shows. Do you remember what any of them were like intended to be? One of them is about Buddy. This is my favorite one. This is the one I remember. One of them is about Buddy, but it's about Buddy's cousin? Because Buddy didn't want to play the same character because he's afraid he's going to be typecast. But apparently he plays like, you know, Nubby and plays like the exact same character. So like it may have actually had a shot if they were just like, Buddy moves to Palm Springs and opens a restaurant. But instead they like he was difficult about it and it didn't take. I love when people who get like a little outside their ego just get shit on because of it. Because it's like for you are like barely a character as it was. Nobody cares about typecasting at that point. Like, you were probably going to be fine. And then somebody probably got in your ear about getting typecasted. And I guess now it depends. He never he heard from this yeah. guy again. Tell that to Napoleon Dynamite. He literally got typecasted as Bible Man. No, but I think it's, it depends, right? So if you're, if you're worried about being typecast and you want to get into theater acting or you want to do more dramatic roles, fine. But if you're just trying to transition into a spinoff of the show you're already on, like who fucking cares? It's you're, it's the same thing still. Yeah, that's a thing. Like if you're you're playing Batman and you want to play Shakespeare, right? Like I totally get that that might be hard for you. But if you just want to play another wacky sitcom guy in 1989, probably just go with the proven name and take the even it would probably be canceled one season, but you'd make a ton of money and then then be Bible Man. You know, it's funny. He's the best friend and he becomes Bible Man. And Boner became the Joker and that other thing. That's true. You could have got Bible Man versus the Joker. Wait, do you think Bible Man killed Boner? Wait a minute, who's Boner? Callback. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Call you know what's funny? That Who's Boner, by the way? Our own callback to one of our earliest episodes, but we still haven't done the source material to cover who Boner is. Have we Weird, not? yeah. And that's another show that will unlock a bunch of spinoffs and stuff. That'll be a group pick. No one's going to pick that on their own. Then we can finally do just the 10 of us, which is one of the best forgotten about 80s sitcoms with Heather Langenkamp. <gasps> so to get back into this yes. show. So we're finding out in the scene that Charles asked this girl Gwendolyn out on a date. And um, Charles recounts like the whole event. He's like, I don't even know what came over me. And he, he does this like he mimics her voice where he's like, I don't know, uh, Gwendolyn, would you like to go on a date? Like, oh, yes. And hey, Jay, that's a great impression how's your bobcat gold it's phenomenal impression. like i said find an find an episode where i can do it and um and we'll cover it then 
I got and, one. Uh, uh, it's coming out in April. Oh. And uh, so if Bobcat on cameo. We just have to pay the money to like get him on here, probably. But um, so and as they're talking about this whole him asking her out situation, they uh, transition back into the living room. So they go living room, kitchen, living room. I was trying to. Were you watching what they were drinking? They had like these orange drinks. They kind of look like the teeny drinks we used to have when we were kids, but they weren't there's, quite that. There's some weird beverage stuff going on. Later on, he pulls out a pitcher of something for the dinner. I assume iced tea. Maybe yeah. iced tea, but then they're like, we're having Chinese food. It just didn't seem like a beverage that would go with Chinese food. But he's Green trying tea. to be fancy. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's not 18. He's like, I mean, we're, are we to assume he's a freshman? He's in college, in but yeah, we don't know how deep into it. I'm guessing it's the first year because he moved with them. They they say something about it, like he went to college and then moved in with the family yeah. to work. It is um, but to to go back the the drink thing. Did anyone else clock that, or was that just a weird thing that my eye caught? I didn't notice that. No. I wasn't paying attention. I noticed the picture later on, but not that. So while they're in there, the um, one of the children who lives in this house, Lila walks in, and now she's shouting out the name Alexander Morgan, and Buddy goes, "No, Buddy Lembeck," and. I guess he just thought she was addressing him by shouting his whole name out. That or he was like, no, fall in love with me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But then she says, not you, goon machine, which you mentioned earlier. And I love it. I, I don't know what it is. Something about that name. It's a good insult. Because goon machine could have tagged with Andre the Giant. And, um, oh, God. And <laughs> when they had like the, what was it? So it was Giant Machine. Uh, which one was um Axe? He was Mr. Wrestling. What was his machine name, though? I forget. There's a few of them. But yeah, he yeah. could have joined that group. I'm like sorry, Fred, did, did you moan? Did you moan? <laughs> or like, groan? Uh, yeah. Oh, the only other wrestling thing I wanted to say was the Scott Bayo's 45 and single show that came out like five or six years ago that was produced by Eric Bischoff. Oh, that was one of his? That was yeah. one of his. I didn't know that, actually. Bischoff and Jason Hervey. So Lila says that Alexander is class president, best athlete, fabulous looking, most excellent boy in the eighth grade. And he picked her to help him with her uh, with his homework. And uh, you have... Charles, who replies immediately with, I hate his kind, which I believe is because he is of the same cut. Is, is that That's how what you I gathered take that too, line? Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Every, every character except for Buddy in this is like well aware of the ill sexual intentions of a young man. So like yeah. you get the dad, you get Charles both understanding it. When she was talking about this whole thing and how he picked her to do the homework with him, before she announced it, she was like, oh, guess who he picked? And there was a nice little like, back and forth with um the two guys where they're like pretending they can't figure it out until she finally shouts that it's her. And I thought in that moment like they had they had like really good chemistry. And and that's when I realized like the two had worked together before because they were both in the movie Zapped. Oh Zapped a classic. Yeah. Did you ever see Zapped again? I have not seen Zapped again. A uh, whole different cast. So much like Charles in Charge again? It, yeah, it, was that a thing? No, but the second oh, season. Okay. No, yeah, no. Zapped again was um someone else finds like the weird prune juice and does the weird to get superpowers from it. S one E one double feature night. Zapped and zapped again. Oof! What a night. We can throw in Mac and me because one of the little kids in this is in Mac and me. Well, just re- rewinding the part of him falling off the cliff. That's all <laughs> anyone wants to see in Mac and me. Wait, there's more to that movie. <laughs> all I know, by the way, of Mac and me is just the fact that anytime. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is was on Conan O'Brien's show. He would keep pretending to have a clip for his new project and just play the same clip every single time. And um, like there's like compilation videos where you can watch that. It's he like legitimately tricks him almost every time because of the way he sells it. 
between that and his lever that would just play funny scenes from um walker texas ranger that were almost always somebody <laughs> getting shot and falling off a roof for no reason she starts saying how if alexander morgan likes her then she's going to be like most definitely in was, was it in or it i couldn't i kept listening i couldn't think of i'm i'm it i'm it or i'm in i'm in i think it's yeah, i couldn't in. tell it felt like there was like a little bit of valley girl patois happening there and um she runs right up the stairs at that point and i was gonna bring up we already talked about the layout of the house but that was the first time i noticed like wow this setup is very strange it's a huge stairwell too yeah yeah I also weirdly kept this. getting drawn to the um grandfather clock me too you got drawn to it too? Yeah. I don't know why it is. I don't think I've ever wanted one or anything, but when I see one, I'm like, that's opulence. If you've got money for a grandfather clock, like, I think you're immediately fancy. Well, it was like kind of almost center in the shot, too. I kept trying to see what time it was, and I couldn't make it out. You know what? Now I feel like I want to go back and watch because if, it, if it's like totally off time, right? Like, if you forgot to set it. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be, yeah. yeah it'll, it'll you'll dang. see wild jumps in times throughout the day. Like the clock. Mr. Simpson, no. Mr. Simpson, no. <laughs> so once he's gone, the two are like, were you ever that young and immature? I'm like, no, never. And then they go back to Gwendolyn Pierce. So obviously they are exactly the same at this age. And now Buddy asks Charles, like, where he's planning to take her on this date. And Charles is saying how he wants to take her on, like, an intimate dinner somewhere. And somewhere out of the way. And Buddy cuts him off immediately. He does, like, the eh with the timeout sign. And he says, no, you need to take her somewhere crowded, like, where everyone can see you two together. He, like, gets up and puts his arm up and, like, fake has his, like, arm over her and is, like, showing how he would be walking into a crowded restaurant with her and showing her off. Can I ask a question to peel it back a little bit, like, to get a little further in the episode here? Are we to believe that she is the, the bicycle of whatever university? Because the way that she puts it, like, I'm a, I'm a person... Like she gets around? Yeah. Um, like, are we meant to believe that? And if so, what what would be the purpose of going to a crowded bar with your buddies in it? Like, I'm just curious. Like, I'm not I trying think, to be so funny I don't think, or anything. I don't think, I don't think exactly. Sexually. I, yeah, I think there are. It was more that she was seen as so beautiful, so unobtainable that being on a date with her makes it like a status thing that you have her. But I thought she referenced that. They kind of do, but not, not like explicitly in a way where they were talking sexually. Like I could see how it was interpreted that way. And that could have been what they meant, but I didn't fully take it that way when I heard it. Yeah. I think it goes both ways, but I think her intention in this is to be like, people just see me as a pretty face, but nobody cares about like who I am or what I have to say. People just want to be like, with the idea of me, but nobody knows who I am. Gotcha. But I am with you that I could totally see that conversation being like overtly sexual. Everyone's just trying to sleep with me and they just think that's what I do. Also, in this moment where Buddy's talking, he mentions that like out of the way is where you take girls from the plant world who eat flies. What did that yeah. mean? <laughs> Ugly girls, like mutants. <laughs> but was that like a reference to something specific of the time that I'm not catching? Like, is he there just, some weird he just movie saying- if you, you go somewhere out of the way, that's if you have an ugly date, so people don't see you with this uggo. But of the plant world? By the <laughs> like, way, I love the term uggo. Was that, was, did Swamp Thing come out that in 84? It might have. Yeah, it's it a Swamp it, Thing reference. It just seemed so out of nowhere. Like, I didn't know what to take of that. It might be a reference to something, though, because he mentions. Is it Sebastian a reference Cabot? to Shop of Horrors? Because he said he eats flies. She eats flies. Well, it's little yeah, but shop it's a, of it's a male fly. It eats uh, humans. 
Right, but it's a fly trap. I don't know. I don't, I really don't, I don't know if there's a specific thing this was supposed to mean or not. I, I really couldn't put it together. Well, he makes a like fairly outdated reference right before this. So I wonder if that's supposed to be something else. I don't like, know. I didn't pick up. I, I thought maybe out, one of you guys would have something. Outdated reference. He says, or do you, he's like, you have to be like a gentleman's gentleman. He's like, what am I? He says the actor's name. It's, um, I had no idea who this was. So Sebastian was like, Cabot. No, that comes up in a minute. And I do know who that is because yeah, I yeah. looked it up. <laughs> I thought that was in this scene. I thought it, it was is in this scene. It just didn't oh. happen quite yet. <laughs> okay. Well, what I'm saying though is he makes an, a kind of obscure reference here to something that if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. So maybe that's also in yeah. another obscure reference. So Buddy tells him after dinner, like the next place you have to take her is back to that house, the house that Charles lives in. That's when he's like, you know, when you first told me that you took this job taking care of children and moved in with this family right on top of going to college, I thought you were insane. But now I'm starting to see the advantages. And I'm like, what? It, it's a good excuse to lay out everything that's happening in a throwaway line. But it's like, it, here's the plot of the show. Hey, you know, when you first told me, like, like yeah, here's like, the plot of the show. Throw some quick exposition in there so everybody yeah. can figure out what we're doing here. Until but I thought then, in a way I, it I worked. I thought it was... Until then, I thought it was really strange that the series just picked up in the middle of his life and like without any explanations. So. I kind of like that though about this. You, you, you could you go either way. Yeah, you instantly get right in the pocket, and everybody had chemistry. I feel. Well, like. I mean, if you jumped in and there wasn't that line, and you came in like ten seconds late and didn't hear the song, I think your assumption would be that he's their older brother. If you're yeah. gonna, yeah, if you're gonna do it True. this way and drop you into like him already being there for a few months. You have to have some sort of a way to explain it to the audience. We just covered the nanny a couple weeks ago, and the nanny was the origin story. And then in the house was the origin story. But here, where it's already starting off, you needed to at least let us know why he's in this house with all these kids. Yeah, I prefer that. It works. You don't always need the... Not every show needs the origin story episode one. How old was Scott Bayo when he made this, by the way? We can do a little math. Yeah, I forgot to look up uh, what year he was born in. So and for the rest of the episode, if we could just refer to him by his legal name, which is Bob Blah Blah, I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> he was born September 22nd, 1960, so he was 22? Oh, okay, 24. so he was right around 24. that age. I thought this was 82. 84. I tried to look it oh, up, okay. but I accidentally looked up how old was he in Bugsy Malone. <laughs> <laughs> which is a couple years before this, right? <laughs> which later on, he's dressed like a 1940s mobster, so I'm assuming that's in reference to Bugsy Malone, right? Charles says he doesn't bring dates back to this house because he doesn't think the kids are ready for that yet. And I thought that was funny because that that's a line that you would only have if you were a divorced parent and you didn't want them to see you starting to date again. Not like, oh, it's so weird that the guy who takes care of us has a dating life. Right, and that would be a whole plot line too. Like, now Punky, daddy's got a new mom now. Because they're like, they're younger kids except for the daughter's a little older, but like even the two sons who are younger aren't so young that they don't understand the concept of dating yet. You know, they're they're a little bit above that. Yeah, they're almost like like 10, 12 because they're asking about girls. So they're almost I thought there. maybe a little younger, but like maybe like around eight-ish. That's kind of where I pegged the two boys. I don't – they're not twins obviously, so they're not supposed to be the same age. But I would say maybe in that realm, mm. like eight to ten, and then the daughter was she's in high school. She's 14-ish. She's yeah, a, she's probably a like a – Probably eighth freshman. Grade. She's in eighth grade. It's like 13, oh, it 14. I feel like these are oh, like right. repressed yeah. feelings. Like parents broke up and he had to watch his mom date someone new and or his dad. 
Like, this is his, your new uh, this is His mom comes into play in later seasons. She becomes like a big character in the show in like after this first season. <laughs> she and, was also one of the spinoffs. Yeah. And that's John Travolta's mother, right? Yep. At the same time, we had John Travolta's mother on uh, Charles in Charge and Sylvester Stallone's mother on Glow. It was a great time for TV moms. I would have loved the show with just the two of them together. That would have been a great show. She was in the wrestling show? Yeah, she was like the house mother. Sylvester Stallone's actual, I mean, yeah, Sylvester Stallone's like actual mom was like the house ah. mother. It was really funny if you ever watched the, if you ever watched episodes of Glow, like the old ones, where it's Never like, you know, it. it goes through all their like wrestling names and then it's like, you know, and like Judy Stallone. Like she's not <laughs> like, you know, fucking Killahontas or something. She doesn't have like a wrestling name. Killahontas. <laughs> Killahontas. That's Joe's that sounds like a culturally inappropriate wrestling name a female character would have in 1980. Joe always dreamed of being in Glow, and that was the character he had created for himself. <laughs> also, Gordo, you've never seen Glow? No. Oh, you would like it. Well, no. No, he's talking about Joe's real talking about Glow, not the real Glow. show. Like the actual oh, show Glow. In the 80s. Oh, okay, all right. I was going to say, I don't remember this person you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, shouldn't she be dead by now? How high was I when I watched this? I don't even remember this character. I watched all three seasons. But yeah, no, watch the actual glow to it. It's a show that we can't really Gordo's cover. in that show. Yeah, Gordo, you do look a lot like Mark Maron these days. <laughs> you <laughs> kind of do, yeah. Just fucking like him. And he didn't see it, which was... And he I goes, don't. I don't see it at all. He posted two pictures of him and Mark Maron, and they're indistinguishable from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, you know what's funny, too, is like Gordo's gone through so many different looks and could have chose a photo of him where he didn't look like Mark Maron. <laughs> yeah. Like you could have looked so much different. Instead, you picked one that looks literally like a, like a WTF promo photo that he would sign after the show. Maybe I should just, maybe that should be my shtick. Just go to his sign, go to his things and just sign things with people. You have to just spray a little bit of silver in the hair. Let's just, let's just put Gordo on cameo as Mark Maron. <laughs> well, just get him a check mark now, right? <laughs> I was going to say, we can get him on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so anyways, when he's talking about the bringing to the dates, that's when Buddy asks him if he's joking or turning into Sebastian Cabot. Joe, you mentioned that earlier. Sebastian ex- explains that you guys Sebastian looked it up. Cabot played Uncle Bill in Family Affair. The 60s family. Oh. So it's uh, so he's comparing him to his character on that show. Whose nickname which, was The Gentleman's Gentleman. Talk about a real timeless joke, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's really... <laughs> Well, we'll say remember, though, it's 84, so us talking about it in 2022, we're a little far removed. None of us watched Family Affair. Yeah, Joe probably it was, did. It was less than 20. It was like 15 years since that show was off the air then, so it's not that far back. But I also found out when I looked him up that in like 1968 or 69, he's got like a very sophisticated English voice. He just did an entire album where he just reads Bob Dylan lyrics. And now I'm like, <laughs> well, fuck me. I'm going to go buy this record now. <laughs> what is the purpose of that? I mean, I think that he was probably, I, I think the, the purpose was to be like, I love Bob Dylan, but a lot of people don't like Bob Dylan's voice, but pe- but Bob Dylan wrote some of the greatest lyrics of all time. So I think that was probably a thing to be like, all those people who were like, everyone's talking about how great these lyrics are, but I can't stand this guy's voice. You can hear the like poetry that is his songs. Just put it in a book. <laughs> Just fucking read the lyrics. Yeah, true. I mean, he, he, eventually they did do yeah. that, but I think at that point, uh, if somebody came to you and wanted to do that, you just took the money from the publishing and let him do it, I guess. This makes me think of William Shatner uh, singing Rocket Man. Or um, Leonard Nimoy had a bunch of albums, too. <laughs> Anyone else from Star Trek have any albums? Uh, there has to be people who did one. Did Scotty do an album? <laughs> no, he was doing Homeboys in Outer Space. Yeah, I was going to say, he was too busy doing literally the worst sitcom <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. That shows in our archives if you want to go and 
listen to it. Get yourself a nice squirrel pizza, sit down for a couple hours, and watch the 20 minutes that still exist somehow that haven't been destroyed of Homeboys in Outer Space. So uh, to get back into this, this is right around when Mrs. Pembroke, it's the Pembroke family, by the way. Mrs. Pembroke comes from downstairs and tells Charles that the newspaper just informed her last minute that they want her to review a new play tonight. And that um, he's going to have to go watch the kids despite it being his night off. And even though he has a date planned, he's like, oh, that's no problem. And to Buddy's credit, Buddy steps in. He's like, you know, listen, it's Charles's friend. I feel obligated to tell you that Charles has a date planned for tonight. And the mom at this point is like, what's that name that, you know, Lila has? Oh, Goon Machine. So they do the yeah. callback with Goon Machine, which I thought was kind of weird to do it there, but I liked the term so much that I, it didn't bother me. I thought it was kind of weird until I realized that in 24 minutes, they do like 24 callbacks throughout the entire, and everybody gets a chance at it. So it's just like piling them on. And I, I started liking it more and more as it went on. Also, I also really like just her being like, the newspaper needs me to review a play tonight. Is <laughs> like, you know everything about what her job is without having to explain it any deeper than that. Like yeah. an offhanded comment, you're like, oh, she clearly is a play imagine a job that doesn't exist in 2022 what do you do oh i uh, i review local theater for the newspaper be like oh cool at the unemployment office this is not a job anymore now you just put it in your blogs i thought buddy was being a pretty good friend even though buddy's it looks like buddy's goal is to just live through charles because he wants him to go on this date so bad because she's so hot but well, the Bible man that, can't actually have sex before marriage so right. he's letting charles do it for him but the fact that he stepped in for him i thought was actually a good move a good friend would have volunteered to watch the kids. And a good parent would have said no immediately. Yeah. Everybody would have been aware of Oh, that. I have a date. Goon machine? Yeah. Can you imagine if he was like, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Pembroke. I have plans, but my friend Buddy here watch your kids. While he's like all bug-eyed staring I didn't say she at had to let him do it. Right. I just said he should have volunteered so his friend Well, go. you know, if from the mother last week on In the House, she would have taken goon machine. She would have. She's a terrible mother. She was pretty uh, pretty desperate for anybody at that point. Because of that, she offers, like, oh, why don't you just bring your date over the house? And there was a nice quick visual gag because her back is to Buddy, and Buddy, like, shoots up his arms through the touchdown sign. And then she looks back, and he, like, drops him real fast. I thought that was really good. It was it was well-timed. It was, it was quick, though. Sorry, he does but... timeout and the touchdown sign. Do we assume that Buddy does uh, college refereeing? Possibly, yeah. I could see it, yeah. I'm sorry, why can't the dad watch the kids? Why does the dad have to go? I So I was going to bring that up. I didn't understand. This whole problem would be solved of, oh, you have play. That's fine. You know what? Like, I, I don't need to bring my husband to see the play. Maybe yeah, he wants I mean, to go because it's he's a patron of the that's, that's fine. He can want to go. But if you have three children and it's your living nanny's night off and he has plans, then you could just not go to the play. They're all, Lila's old enough to watch children. Also, not to, like, get more into the later of the episode, but they get really excited when it's just the two of them, and they spent the entire night together. <laughs> like, just the well, two I of them. I think that's a sexual scenario, though. Well, yeah. I mean, they could have banged in the bathroom of this playhouse. Also, since we're getting I would have loved... <laughs> if that happened, though, I want to read her review in the paper. Be like, this kid's kind of weird. I don't. It sounds like you didn't watch the rest of the play. What were you doing? We're going to get into it later, but that dad is younger than us. He's uh, well, younger oh, than me. Oh, yeah, He's we'll talk about that. But I felt like he was 60. Well, we'll younger we'll than all of us that. on this. And, and the dad, by the way, is goddamn Hoover from Animal House, <laughs> which I totally forgot about. He pops in and I was just like, oh, my God. Charles is very hesitant. And he's like, but she's a girl, like talking about having a date over. And, you know, what about the children? They'll see her. They'll know. And it's like, what's he again? What's his hang up on? 
if he's not going to do anything inappropriate, right? Let's say his intentions are completely pure and he just want to take this girl on a date because originally they were just going to go out to dinner. Why is he this petrified of these kids seeing him have a girl over? Is it because he thinks he can't control his lust? Because that's what everybody does for Gwendolyn. So, and so like, but at this point, when he's talking about, I don't know, his nerves seem too much for the situation. It's not like he was planning on like having sex with her in the living room or something, and they walk by. Maybe he just has a giant dong, and it's going to be hard the whole time. That's probably it. You know what? Now, <laughs> Gordon, now that you say that, that is probably the real fear. Is he's so worried about his gigantic erect penis just going through his pants in front of these kids? I'm more surprised if she's such a big deal. Like, why doesn't he think, oh, that's a pretty lame date. I'm getting this, like, 10. I'm going to just bring her to this house. I think like, that was part of it, too, right? Like, not it's, it's not in the forefront of the conversation, but that's probably part of the thought process. But also, it's a very nice house to bring her to. Yeah. And she's basically, like, shoving the phone in his hand. And she's like, children know everything these days. We have cable TV. And um also not to jump ahead again before you mentioned he's 35. That's this guy's house and he's 35. Can we just talk about it when he brings up his age? Like we don't we I said let's talk about it when it comes up. My bad. I can't get over it. You mentioned I was like, I have so many things in my notes where I was just like, ah silly me, I thought an appropriate time to bring it up is when he brings it up. Charles is now on the phone with Gwendolyn because again the phone was just brought, you know, straight into his hand. And as soon as he tells her that, you know, he has to watch these kids. He's like, oh, no, like a quiet night at home was like exactly what I'd love. And I was thinking like he didn't. If you actually listen to the words he says, he doesn't actually invite her over. Like he just says he's trying to break off the date. Yeah, he he didn't want her to come by. So it's just funny that just in the way he explained it, she basically was like, "Okay, cool. I'll be right over. He's a he's a good phone actor. I was trying to think of how to refer to that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people are just so terrible on these sitcoms where they're like, yes. Yes, I will meet you at seven. Like, it sounds so unnatural that they're talking to anybody. Yeah, it's tough depending on how they do it because when they do it that you have to make up a conversation to get the dialogue out. It's so different than when it's actual. You can hear the person on the phone through a speaker or whatever. Kids, I just feel like if I was a director and I ever had to do a scene like that in a movie, I would just be like, I'm calling you. Yeah. we'll, We'll edit out my dialogue or whatever you can hear from the phone in post. But, like, that's so much more natural than like just asking somebody to constantly ask, like act against nothing. Well, then they wouldn't be paid to be an actor. That's what they well, do. Act. Yeah, but they still ways to get a more natural performance. And if it's as simple as making a phone call, to not for risk free. It. Yeah, method acting. They have to also, pretend would... they're calling Gwendolyn Pierce. No, yeah, that's that's what he did. We're just saying that there might be better avenues to get a a better performance. Yes, but, but he does. Would... He's okay with it, so. That would result in them having to, instead of having just a prop phone, set up a real phone with phone lines that worked and all this other stuff. That's true, too. There's there's more that goes into it, like, especially then. Yeah, but back then, how many phones do you think were hooked up in a studio in a pre-cell phone world? Probably a million of them. Yeah, but you're running phone lines. It's different than now where they can just call a cell phone. Cell phones ruined everything. (laughs) So, um, the next scene is the first time we meet all three kids, and they're all in the kitchen having dinner, which I thought was, like, if you're paying attention to what they're eating, it's very weird because yeah, it looks like two one, of the kids have just sides with no meat. It looks like they have peas, carrots, and mashed potatoes, and I see no, like, turkey or meatloaf or anything on the plate with it. Yeah, the other one just has buns. a burger patty. Well, no. For the other kid has a burger patty. Just but, the patty. No bun, like, yeah. No bun, but he doesn't have all the other stuff. So Because they it, traded. That's what they say. It's, I'll give you all my But why do the parents... Patty. 
if you're if you're asking the kids what they want, like if he had a different dinner, if he just had a random burger patty, that's usually one kid is fussy and you're giving him the special meal he wants so he'll eat. But he didn't want that anyways. He wanted what the other kids had. Well, the other one is eating like a Thanksgiving meal. Like but there's no meat. Mashed potatoes. There's no turkey. turkey. There's there's no turkey. There's That's mashed potatoes. Cutting. I saw no meat. I I tried. Maybe she already ate it at this point. No, she was playing with like a piece of turkey. I we also watched this in like 480p. So I mean, yeah. it's up. For yeah, I was gonna say the copy we had of this was not the highest definition. So. I was catching just peas, carrots, mashed potatoes. But we could we could look back at some point. But I didn't see it. But I it. Gordo, what you say makes more sense, right? Because it doesn't make any sense for them to just be eating sides. That's such a shitty, shitty little kid thing, though. It was like three kids, and they all want something different. It's no, like, they they had the same meal, but they exchanged stuff. That's his line. He said, "So I'll they're eating the burgers, peas, carrots, mashed sides. potatoes with burger patties." It's, it's weird. It's weird, but they are eating the same thing. It's it's. it's I've it's eaten that a line. lot recently. As an adult, that's your choice, though. Like, as feeding your kids, like, this is alien <laughs> yeah. food. Be like, oh, we made American human dinner. It's like, wait, what? Just burger patties and mashed potatoes? Also, it's important to note that one of the kids, uh, Douglas. So it's Douglas, Jason, and Lila, right, are the three kids. Mm-hmm. Douglas has a mask on. It's a great mask. He's the Mac and Me kid, by the way. It, but the the mask kind of looks like the Mac and Me, like, alien. Is that, I will say this is only a does. year away from Rocky Dennis, so I think this is a little insensitive. <laughs> the what? <laughs> mask? The superior movie Mask? Oh. Wait, if I say Rocky Dennis, you don't know who that is? With Sheer? But you don't know the actual... Rocky Dennis is a real person. Perry. You're not like, familiar with this? Somebody says Rocky Dennis and you just don't know who that is? No. no. He's got the big deformed face and he dates a blind girl. Sloth? I never would have slapped date other than Chunk. Come on. <laughs> they weren't dating. They were. No, he was dating Owen. <laughs> um, no, I I don't I never saw that other movie mask. Fifth movie on our playlist yeah. that night. It's gonna be a weird night. But no, so is it possible when did Mac and Me come out? Was he wearing a Mac and Me mask? No, it's, like, it's, not, it's, de- it, it's not a Mac and Me mask, because Mac just has two little horns. This thing had big ears. It looked more like Dobby from um Harry Potter, which it no, definitely it wasn't because it didn't exist. I was going to say, that definitely isn't the case. Is no, it Jar Jar Binks? No, no. He looked like one of the aliens on Star Wars, and I can't think of the the one. Mac uh, and Me is 88, so this predates it by four uh, years. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe it's a proof of concept. They were going <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's it. It took them a long time to work through the kinks. Or they were making that movie, and they cast that kid, and they're trying to figure out the alien. You're like, wait a minute. Remember that pilot? But yeah, all right. So if none of us know for sure what Max said is, we can move move on from it. That's we talked about. Then they start doing the exchange where Douglas wants the peas and carrots and offers his burger patty to his brother. The whole thing is like he's explaining that the peas and carrots are a living energy from the earth and a burger is a charred remains of slaughtered animal carcass. I don't like it's not like he was. He, it's weird because that's I feel like a line you would have got if he was more of a hippie ish kid. Right, but, but he's not. He's a he's more of a brainy science kid. He was yeah, just this is more like a Valley Girl. You work at the health food store character. Yeah, it didn't make sense entirely, but you're getting you're getting at least the vibe that this kid's a little eccentric weird. or yeah, weird <laughs> kid. He's just off. you can say eccentric. This family's clearly rich. You can say eccentric. Yeah, you know how they got rich? They give the kids frozen patties without buns. <laughs> yes. They save money, yeah. Save money where it's important. Maybe those poor kids have gluten allergies and they can't have the bun. Possible. 
They didn't have all the options that you now have today. That wasn't a thing back then. You just ate gluten and shit all the time. <laughs> oh, God. What a terrible, terrible life. Yeah, Charles then walks in and tells the kids that he's having a girl over and mentions that, like, she's not going to be interested in talking about sports, looking at Jason, or D&D looking at Douglas, and not to mess this up for him. And now the two boys are going, like, back and forth, and they're kind of like, they're just throwing dicks at each other and calling each other names. Jason eventually calls Douglas adopted, and Charles tells him that he wasn't, so Jason chimes in and says that, well, there must have been a mess up at the hospital or something, or he's a test tube baby, and, like, I'm going to find this out eventually. I thought this kid was actually a pretty good actor, the one who plays um Jason. I agree. I thought they all did pretty well at the, up he to this like point. He was, like, pretty quick-witted. Yeah. I yeah, thought do you like it, that he, he calls the girl a lady female carbon unit right here, too, which I thought was a pretty good line. I just thought the joke went a little too long. It should have been like the adopted one and then ended, but then it was rapid fire. Ask the mom, ask the dad. Ask the but it was, it was also, like, it was so quick that I was okay with it. It, it. it made sense and it didn't seem like unnatural for a kid to keep on with that thing in that moment. Uh, I think that they just needed to keep things being weird, like quick rapid fire. Like this show, I really enjoy this show, but part of me is just like, a lot of talking. Seems like there's no one. Well, I told you guys up. before, like, you know, when we spoke outside of recording right now, I was like, it's so much dialogue. It like took a while to like take notes for it just because it's all talking. Yeah. This is one of those ones where my hand hurts so much after yeah. doing it for writing the notes. Did, like, Ferg, as you mentioned, because he keeps on, the mom walks in and he's asking the mother if Douglas was, um, if when Douglas was born, if the circus was in town. And when the father comes in, he, he goes like, Hey, when you guys decided to have Douglas, uh, was like this what you had in mind? Which I thought was another funny line asking him about that. Now, the circus is in town. I've heard that before. What does that actually mean? Is like, is he asking, did she fuck like one of the freaks? No, I think it's like <laughs> switching the kid for switching, a sideshow yeah. freak yeah, he's or just something. Like sideshow. That makes people. a lot more sense. <laughs> but either way. Well, if he was born for, she couldn't have just fucked him and spit That's him out. True. He's not a rabbit. No, it's for currency. She fucked well, she could have had sex with yeah. somebody else and lied about it, though. <laughs> but when the baby came out a pinhead, they would have known that there was a problem. Is that why maybe she could have been known as the sword swallower? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I hate laughing at you when you make a joke, but that actually got me, you dickhead. You're batting a thousand tonight. <laughs> I know, I'm on Gordo, You should literally turn off your microphone and just go away say, now. This is typically where it. now Gordo's like, all right, I got it tonight. And he's just going to he's gonna start reaching in any minute now. <laughs> so <laughs> Lila starts telling her dad about Alexander Morgan. And like she's giving the same speech that she was giving Charles earlier. And I like how it worked because as she's explaining like all his accolades, the two brothers chime in and then finish the line for her. So she's been saying it so much like word for word that. It's basically a speech at this point. Yeah, that was well done. And this is and, where yet another callback where where Hoover says, I hate his kind. Well, yes. Yeah. And um, he then calls Charles over to the side. And this is, as we can finally bring up, he says, you know, Charles, I'm 35 and I'm probably not having another daughter. So, you know, if you want, um, you know, basically it was like, if you want to break his leg, I'm giving you my blessing. Married, 35, owns a humongous house, has three kids. And a nanny. So, yeah. A so nanny. here's the thing. To be our age, to be married, a couple of you are married, have kids, one of you has a child, own a house. Like, all these things are things that are normal. It's not it, – we know people our age who have multiple kids, a house, married, all that stuff. 
Our powers Tim, combined, we're one, yeah, one, we're one human, American. one successful human. <laughs> we are, we are one we adult. We Captain now. Planet this one into yeah. partially their life. House, marriage, car, children. bad pullout game. Yeah. <laughs> With your powers combined, but um, no, it's to me it was more just visually looking at him, and I'm like, that guy's not our age. FYI, he's actually thirty. <laughs> And that he's 30 when that episode came out? He was born in uh, September of 80, uh, 53. So depending on when this was filmed, he was still 30, maybe 31. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so what's funny about that is because, like, in Animal House, you're like, none of these guys are 18. They're all so much older than right. college kids, right? Which is, like, the standard or whatever. But in this, it's actually, like, the opposite. You're like, oh, he looks like he's not 30. If you told me he was 45, I would have bought it. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I don't know if it's, we can't see, obviously times have changed. It has something to do with, I mean, obviously these people aren't all looking older. Like, you know what I mean? They're not yeah. aging faster. It's just the way they're portrayed. Our generation has also grown up a little different. Like that's like a whole separate conversation, but we didn't just become old parents when we were like 28. Like that just didn't 18. happen the same way. But 18. in a lot of a lot of these but I'm saying, shows, even if you even when you have kids like you just don't become that typical father mother type that like we grew up seeing on television. Yeah, we're adult children. We're all think, adult children. But I think like our our parents' generation and before grew up a little earlier and seemed older. Like even when I look at like if we were to look at like our parents at our current age, they seem older than we feel we are now. I don't know if because more responsible we're, we're, the perspective. Yeah. I think it's the dress, in all honesty. Like, we're a very casual um, generation for the most part, and more so, like, the next generation, Gen Z. But, like, our parents still wore, like, collared shirts and ties. And I think a lot of it has to do with hairstyle, too. Yeah. I was going to say, in a lot of these sitcoms we do, it's usually the hair on the female characters that make them look a lot older, but... Dude, this was a dude, and he. Just I just feel like hair. if you dress that guy up, and I guess we'd have to see it, but if you dress that guy up in just like jeans and a t-shirt and a hat, like I don't think he's he going to look younger. Hey, I don't know. Kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. Was just so crazy, and I was like, I had to like pause it for a minute and get my head around that before I continued because I'm like, I'm going to be thinking Same. about that for too long into the next scene. So I, I needed like a moment there. The dad finds out that Charles is having a girl over and again, he sidebars with him and he tells him that, you know, you know, you've been here for a few months now and I feel like I can talk to you. And again, it's because uh, he did this earlier when he's talking about the daughter. They're kind of like, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, you're saying that you want me to, you know, be careful because there's going to be impressionable kids in the house. He's like, no, not like that. It's just, you know, you're a nice young man and. You have your whole life ahead of you. And the last thing I ever wanted you to hear is, and that's when the wife walks up because they're getting ready to go out and goes, honey, I'm late. Amazing. It was very well done. Yeah. wasn't expecting it. And uh, just because of the type of show, it was kind of, it was a little more R-rated than the rest. Of, not, it's not R-rated, but I yeah. wasn't expecting the my periods late joke being I'm pregnant yeah. yeah i like yeah. legit had a pause laugh at this like i was laughing hard and had to stop it because i was like this i couldn't like just keep going in this notes i very this smart joke was timed so well the timing especially i think makes it so much better because it's like it's not dirty but it's pushing the line of what you'd expect to hear on a show like this which they do again later 
with Gwendolyn Pierce. So now in the next scene, the doorbell rings and Charles heads over to the living room to get the door. And that's um when he discovers Douglas is playing video games on the couch. And like, what was that setup he had? Is it a mini monitor? That is a Vectrex. And okay. they're okay. very sought after. Uh, it was like one of the only ones of the time that came with like the screen built in. And they also came with like these 3D glasses you could wear. And you could like draw on the screen oh, with wow. like this light pen and stuff. So for eighty four um, or whatever, this is pretty. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I think um, Bandai ended up being the one to produce it in the U.S. But then there was the whole like video game crash in like nineteen eighty three, and it just died with that. Um, but like these the are very Nintendo. sought after. If you go on eBay and you look for a Vectrex, the cheapest you're gonna find is in like the five hundred dollar range. If you can get one that's working with games, you're like a thousand plus. So. Hmm. They were pretty cool games. They just, it was just, the market was so oversaturated with bad video game consoles for those three years that so many of them died. But this one, I think, if it had come out in a different time, would have lasted. But Vectrexes are super cool, yeah. The NES was a couple years later, right? That was like 86-ish or something yeah, when so it came out? Atari, like Atari came out in like the early, eight, or late 70s, early 80s, I forget. And then everybody and their mother who had the capabilities to solder decided to make a video game console. And it flooded the market, and they all shit themselves. And then after that is when Nintendo came out. So, like, they kind of took off in the absence of all of these. But, yeah, the Vectrex is super cool. It was weird to see one on a television show. Yeah, and to explain it, it was like, it's not portable per se but it would say be like it's portable by those times yeah it was like almost sure. like a box television but like maybe a 10 inch monitor if that and it's something that you could easily like a child could easily pick it up and move it around but you did have to plug it into a wall so it's not it's portable ish it kind of reminded me of like the video game version of like one of those portable amps people carry around and like yeah 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 that's weird too. i looked it up right so the original price for those when they came out was 200 dollars, which is probably about $600 nowadays. Yeah, that sounds right. Which is crazy to think because now I know, I mean, what is the newest PlayStation or Xbox console cost? 600. Yeah, yeah, 6,700 depending on, yeah. But it seems that goes back to the argument where we're like, we are all man children. We're like, oh yeah, the video game console costs $600. That makes sense. But the idea of like a 35-year-old dad getting that for his kids if they weren't rich. Yeah, right. Then... Seems crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like an out-of-time thing. Well, the Nintendos and stuff with inflation were probably worth around that, too. They were probably, I mean, I think the Nintendos were coming out around 200-ish in 1988, 89, whatever it was. And, you know, we had those. So, I mean, I think it's just a matter of, you know, how badly the child wants it and how annoyed the parent is by it. Well, I'll tell you, like, when I was a kid, like, my dad played the Nintendo as well, though. Like, it was... If I remember correctly, it, it was considered to be his Nintendo at some point, like originally. <laughs> it's like, yes, Jason, you can play my Nintendo. Yeah, I think that's how it went. But yeah, with the, in this case, with this family, this system is just, I'm under the impression Douglas is the only one who uses yeah, it's it. His so it's his toy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that I'm, means like that Christmas, the other two kids had to get about the same type right? of cash value. Equal amount of, yeah. So the mother must have been reviewing a lot of plays. A lot of local plays that, that season. Yeah, because well, we that would explain the meat patty dinners that we're yeah. all having now. Because we don't get into what the father does in this episode, do we? No. I don't think so, no. Is it ever explained? I'm just curious. 
It uh, is. He's not watching his kids, that's for sure. Yeah. But he's um, got a nanny. Why would he? They're doing okay. They're doing okay. This is also where Charles comes out dressed like Bugs Malone. <laughs> he's got the well, yes, he's he's doing the um shirt and suspenders look, which is a with a tie, which is uh like a necktie, which is my go-to look when I'm getting you know going to formal events. So Jay all loves the Bugsy there. Malone. Yeah, that's what it you're is. just you call it pulling a Bugsy. But no, I'm a I'm a lock for suspenders anytime I have to get dressed up. I'm a belt man. Me too. I like belts. I've never never tried suspenders though. I like the added aesthetic that the suspenders brings. It just kind of like it. It just gives you a little extra. Do you wear like oh, Urkel? Yes, that's why wear I wear my brightly colored ones. You don't wear a belt You're, with them, right? No, it's in lieu. You're of not a supposed belt. to, yeah. But I feel like naked if I don't have a belt on, no matter what. Like I wear a belt every single day. It has to jingle too. Yes, I don't have a jingly belt anymore. I actually have been tucking my keys in the past year or so too. I don't want to make any noise anymore. I'm trying to be stealthy. I'm a stealthy period. <laughs> Joe likes a good belt that can also double as ammunition for a zombie apocalypse. Either ammunition or like you know, in case I get into a BDSM sexual scenario out yes. of nowhere, it's good to have that belt around. Yeah. So Charles, um, he's asking him how much longer he needs, and he's like, "Well, you know, I pretty much have my night dedicated to this and." Charles like, all right, let me speed up this process for you, and unplugs it. Charles then brings out the tray of we talked about earlier. I think it was like iced tea and cookies, which is it you know, bothers typical. me so much that he does that after the bell has already rang. So he goes and does get gets the drinks up. Like, yeah, it's the fucking door. Yeah. Uh, two two yeah. more minutes. It, it was it was weird to me just seeing that set up because I know like you want to bring something out for your guest. But it's like, are you like two old women who are about to gossip and play bridge? Like, this is not. Well, then they proceeded to drink iced tea like it was scotch. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it was, it was just scotch. a giant jug of scotch. Yeah, I kind of like the idea. It's a jug of scotch. I put in a picture. Like, that's the best way to get around alcoholism. Like, like, people know. just I'm... don't think you're a trash bag if you're drinking it out of a pitcher. I've never had a girl over the house. I don't know what you're supposed to serve this in. Just, just girl is bottles. fucking wasted. Well, actually, it could be because it's I not. think that, <laughs> was not. it was that time that the drinking age eighteen in America. It changed a bunch between like seventy eight and eighty two, but I think by that point it was solid twenty one across the country. Yeah, and I just he's so he was so nervous about just the kids seeing him with a girl. I don't think the pro, like the idea was for them to get drunk in the house. He doesn't seem like the kind of character who'd like just pop a beer. Yeah, he's not like know. a troublemaker type. That buddy though. Yeah. Turning water into wine everywhere he goes. Right. So now he's like at the door and he's pumping himself up before he opens the door and he's practicing how he's going to greet her with like, hi, hello, hi. It's as simple as that. And then he opens the door and says that to her, the hi, hello, hi. It's as simple as that. And this is when um we're meeting Gwendolyn for the first time. And obviously a very attractive female. She's uh, like a blonde girl. um, Very much of the late 80s, early 90s, like what was seen as like the ideal female this actress jennifer runyon she uh the thing i know her from See, her is, last name's Un- is, is creating runyon. the funyun runyon runyon is creating the funyun yeah the funyun runyon uh she plays cindy brady in a very brady christmas i don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie before mm-hmm. the brady reunion movie where i do remember that one uh mike brady gets trapped under the building he was building mm-hmm. on christmas eve <laughs> The first time I ever watched that movie, I was laying on the floor around Christmas time, and I was like, something seems weird, and the Christmas tree in my parents' house just came tumbling down, and just like, it, the uh, 
the rack thing that holds the tree in broke. So I was like, this seems weird for like half a second. And all of a sudden there's just a giant tree on me and broken bulbs and everything all around. <laughs> and I like didn't know what to do. And like my mom heard like a ruckus and came in. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was sticky for like two fucking weeks after that happened. I basically was like completely inside of the tree. And How? every time I see anybody. Were you trying, to, that movie, were you trying to beat Mike Brady? Because he got a building dropped <laughs> on him. You're going to have a tree on yourself. I'll show you. How were you sticky? Have you ever sap, heard of tree sap, Gordo? Have you never touched a Christmas tree? Gordo, no, I've never had a Christmas tree. I've never heard of Christmas tree. That is from the ornaments. <laughs> well, if it's a real, like a real Christmas tree, like an actual tree. Well, Joe had some free time alone once he was under the tree. So. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe just stuck on his back, so he beats off. It's like Gwendolyn <laughs> tears. <laughs> yeah, so um, anyways. <laughs> it's hard to transition out of that one. So yeah, so... um. He opens the door, and she seems, like, very into Charles right off the bat. So even though he was, like, so nervous to be around her and ask her out, like, it looks like she's very interested in him. She's um, pretty into it. And he mentions how he got Chinese for dinner. And for some reason, says that he also speaks Chinese, which I don't know why he would have said that. I don't know why he did that. Oh, I know why he so said they that. Could make so their we racist can ruin later. this whole episode with the most insane fucking shit in about two minutes from now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, 80s. <laughs> but um, she's very impressed by that and mentions how impressed the restaurant must have been as well. So he takes her coat and he heads over to the closet to put it away. And he's like in front of the closet talking to himself and trying to remind himself that there's children in the house. And I, I guess at this point, like maybe it's like control your urges and that's why he's saying that. But he like, opens the door and that's when we see Jason who's like just hiding in the closet. Also, and, just real quick before that, when she takes her coat off, the look that he gives her, they like pan hard on his face staring at her chest when she takes her shirt off in a way that I was like, there's, there's a little bit of some R-rated stuff going on. In the this audience episode. goes crazy too. Yeah, the audience is also very into should be noted, she's not wearing anything tight or revealing. No. You know, no, she just like, has like a sleeveless. This got shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like nothing crazy at all. It's like not even form fitting. It's not like she's wearing anything that's supposed to be even interpreted as like sexy or provocative. Provocative. Yeah, she didn't I'll show up in you. a bathing suit. Provocative, yeah. I give you, but I mean, she's supposed to look good. She's supposed to look good, but like the howling from the audience is like usually more when someone's wearing something a little bit more showy. But yeah, maybe like just Tim, like when different. Tim Allen takes his shirt off. Yeah, like a shirtless Tim Allen. Uh, to be fair, Woo. That one person who yeah. wooed, Woo. I wooed right there with them. But yeah, so now we see that Jason's in the closet, and he's asking Charles if any of the girls in his grade are going to grow up to look like that. Charles gets into like this very um, nice, you know, every girl is beautiful in their own way, line to him. But then he looks over at Gwendolyn and looks back and goes. But no, it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good delivery, too. And then he heads back over to her and she tells him that, you know, this is a beautiful place. And, you know, she'd like to live somewhere like this someday. He's like, yeah, me too. And then he starts like rambling and kind of like fumbling over his words because he's trying to explain. Well, not like, you know, like not I live here, but like I'd like to own a place like this. And he, he's very nervous on the date. And while he's going through all this. Standing in front of her, she's sitting on the couch. He just turns his head to the side and goes, stop it. 
<laughs> like talking to himself, <laughs> which I thought was I thought that was really funny. Can I point out too? He never tells her what he does, right? Like so, so all these kids just kind of come out of nowhere, and she it's knows. Like, she knows. She I, must know. Yeah. She. Oh, it's not. It we don't. We don't see it, but I, I guess it would be assumed that that would be the situation. Because he's not from there, so I'm sure it came up in conversation. Like, oh, I came out here for school. Oh, do you live on campus? Oh, actually, I live with this family. I'm a nanny for them. Oh, okay. This is also where they have a toast, and they toast to self-control, which I thought was the funniest thing to ever toast, and the complete opposite of any time I've ever cheers two glasses of alcohol together. It was like, two self-control was not what ended up well, happening. Well, it started as a toast to a memorable evening, and that was like the footnote on it. <laughs> like, a, like a reminder that it's also for self-control. The, as they're toasting is when the doorbell rings, and he thinks it's going to be the delivery driver, but it's Alexander Morgan, who, I'll admit at this point, I forgot that that was a side story that he was going to be doing homework. You mean a character from Theodore Rex with Whoopi Goldberg and a dinosaur, R.I.P.? <laughs> Great movie, all right. Great movie. Not as good as Tammy and the T-Rex, but Whoopi Goldberg brings up some points. It's, is he an actor that was in that? Yeah, he's one of the okay. characters in it. Whoa, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Gwendolyn was in Carnosaur. Oh, interesting. You know what Gwendolyn's also in? She's in the very opening scene of Ghostbusters when Venkman she is. is shocking uh, the kid from Christine. <laughs> and then lying to the girl, saying oh. she gets all the cards right. That's Gwendolyn. That's like so cool that lines. we're both in uh, the Ghostbusters uh, universe. <laughs> yeah, well, if you ever meet her, you could be like, I loved you and Charles in Charge. And also, we both were in Ghostbusters movies. Only yours was really good. And then I'd say, thank you. Yours is okay, too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's when she turns around and goes, stop it. <laughs> yeah, stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's Alexander Morgan at the door. And he invites him in. And then he shuts the door. And we can see that he's, like, slamming it on the delivery guy who was actually behind Alexander. And then, for whatever reason, Charles kind of senses that he did something like that. Like, he didn't see the delivery guy, but something felt off, I guess. And he goes back to the door and opens it. And that's when you see the, the delivery guy's, like, crouching down, holding. He's, he's, like, holding, yeah, the two bags over his head, like, in fear. This scene... <laughs> Holy the shit. The epitome of Asian people in the 80s movies. This is so fucking crazy. Although, we'll once say one interesting thing is it ends up being uh, $7 per meal at the Chinese food restaurant. Oh, I yeah. I was like, going to bring that up. Yeah. But has Chinese food pricing just never changed? I feel like it was $7 a... Are you a, nuts? I got doubled. Chinese food the other day, and what I spent on my one That's meal crazy. was what they spent for all four. So oh. now... Well, to be fair, I haven't had to, I haven't been able to have food like that in like over a decade now but i remember being kids it was like seven dollars so 15 years later it seemed like it was the same price Whoa. so it had a good run of being no inflation at some point yeah because the food come he tells them the food comes to 28 dollars, and at that point i'm like wow because it's he has two bags and charles is like wait 28 dollars he's like yeah for four dishes he's like well i only ordered two and it, it but yeah in that moment i'm thinking nowadays at least where we get our chinese and Cheap plug to our local place, Hong Kong Dragon, best Chinese food in all of the world. We love with you. With Massachusetts, if you're ever there. HKD. HKD yeah. for life. Um, a standard meal, like if you're doing like a combination platter, is about $14, $15 for like one. So it's basically double the price, the price than it was up. at that point. Which, But still, when that's in almost 40 years, it's still not that bad. Well, double is not great, but everything's kind of doubled. So yeah, I guess it's kind of, you know. Everything's doubled in the past seven months, I think. I was, yeah, yeah, was going to say, we're, we can't really use this past few years as a 
uh, a good gauge of things going up in price. That's such a side tangent that we, we don't have to get on right now, but yeah. The amount of money you have to make now to just live the way you did a few years ago is insane. To eat food and buy oil, yeah. Yeah. Gwendolyn hears the two talking and asks what's wrong. And he's like, oh, nothing, just a misunderstanding. So she's like, oh, why don't you talk to him in Chinese? Now, I want to keep in mind that the, the delivery driver is uh, an Asian man, a Chinese person, and he's he's speaking with a thick accent when he's talking to Charles. Also, real quick, before we get into the racist thing, I want to mention this. Did anybody track who this is? The driver? Yeah. No. Uh, you might know him by his name, Oroku Saki. Whoa! This is Shredder. Crazy. No way, really? Yeah, James Saito. He's uh, in a billion things, but this is Shredder from the the best Ninja Turtles movie. The first movie. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, okay. Good eye. So then you're double mad because you're like, he was just so mean to Shredder. And then also, <laughs> like, Shredder would just kill him as long as he wasn't on a roof and near a garbage truck. Otherwise, it might not go his way. Oh, that's so crazy. I didn't, I should know that. I should have picked up on that. Maybe or, that's his origin story. I was going to say, I should have just clicked on his name on IMDb <laughs> and saw that. But, um, yeah, so Gwendolyn tells Charles, why don't you speak to him in Chinese? Maybe that'll make this argument, you know, a little smoother because he'll know what you're saying. And he turns to the driver and he just in the accent just goes, <laughs> I order two dishes. <laughs> but he's still speaking in English. And <laughs> he just uses like the worst, most racist yeah. like, stereotype. Chinese Asian accent. It is hard to watch this scene. But what makes oh, that it's very so easy good? To watch. It's so funny. The driver now drops his accent and goes, "Listen, pal, I'm just trying to make a living, so don't hassle me." <laughs> He's just like has more of like a surfer dude accent at that point. So even the Chinese delivery driver is faking his Chinese accent. <laughs> I found this very hard to watch. I thought the twist makes it good because you don't expect the driver to not do it but yeah um Until charles, he makes, then he makes a comment too though and you're like oh come on man yeah. <laughs> this is, you're making this so hard well but yeah we, i was gonna say that's I, listen is what, what what charles did in that moment was that inappropriate yes and would it ever happen in a modern day sitcom i doubt it did i think it was funny if we're being honest, yes, it definitely popped me. I laughed as soon as it happened. Besides, I mean, the conceit is... of it's very funny, speak Chinese, and he speaks in an accent. You could do that joke in any accent. The joke itself is funny. It's just a hard to watch now. I was not expecting it at all. But maybe that's because the of the 80s, too. You're, yeah. you're coming off Long Duck Dong and all these other like oh, yeah. extreme stereotypes and all these fantastic movies. It's a different time. Asian 80s. males, Yeah, Asian males were portrayed pretty poorly in the 80s actually they're always like the goofy character and um yeah, this is the same year as revenge of the nerds who um like a very similar takashi character takashi yeah but um yeah again Six, i did nine? like yes no he's beating on his gong drum but, <laughs> i don't think we're talking about revenge of the nerds anymore what's happening <laughs> They said Joe got lost. And I, said Takashi I was. I was singing the song yeah, yeah. in the end. I've as never soon heard as him. Um, the boys and the moose are clapping oh. along. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Big idiot. Sorry. Elvis Booger on this. <laughs> yeah. Gordo came up with a modern reference and Joe went into a panic. <laughs> 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 What's happening? <laughs> 
What was the reference though? Who is what is that? Takashi Six Nine is uh, like a he was a SoundCloud is a SoundCloud rapper. He's kind of known for his like rainbow hair and face Dude, he's tattoos. known for being a rat. Now yeah, he's no, known he's for, known for getting wrapped up in a Rico charge and ratting on literally everybody he knows and yes. getting out of jail when he should have been in there for like fifty years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he quick, got huh? life, Joe. It's Didn't an interesting he? story to read. Don't listen to his music though; he, you'll implode. Maybe. Song okay, Gooba is actually sense. pretty catchy the moment he came out of jail. But anyways, yeah, like Joe, uh, moving on rap. from that. He's not so much, no. But um that's a whole side conversation and is he part of the face tattoo contingent of Oh no, yes, days? very much. Oh so. yeah. Very he's much. like yes, one he's of the Sakashi 69 cuz he's got a big 69 on he's actually, his yeah, eye. He was actually one of the first. You know, he he's really he led the charge on that stuff. So now Lila runs downstairs and it turns out that she ordered Chinese food as well. She also got, she added to Charles' order and added two more meals. So that's why this whole mix up even happened. She offers to type up Charles' next term paper in return for the food. And he accepted, but that was kind of fucked up, right? She just like called the Chinese restaurant and ordered food, knowing that she didn't have the means to pay for it. This is what I'm wondering. Did she wait for him to place his order, leave the room, yeah. sneak in, call back, and be like, I'd actually like to add, add two, two more meals? Yeah. <laughs> Also, they don't explain it in this episode, but Charles doesn't get paid for being a nanny. He gets lives room in the house. And board. Yeah, he gets paid room and board, basically. Oh, okay. So he gets to eat food there and, you know, do laundry and live there. But he, at least as far as you know, this episode doesn't have another job. Because it's hard to be a full-time nanny and a full-time student and also make any money. So now he's on the hook for all this expensive Chinese food as well. Does he at least get, like, an allowance? Hope. I can't watch I the know. kids. I have a day tonight. Get the fuck out, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a little on the bonus, street tonight, right? Charles. <laughs> like, like, so the way this episode That's how Charles was joined the Foot Clan. He wasn't, um, <laughs> he didn't have a place to go anymore. <laughs> if you go back to the earlier in this episode, though, he, it was established it was his night off. So I would assume if you're asking him to do a night that he wasn't supposed to work, there must be some sort of a compensation for that. Yeah, maybe they kick him a few dollars here and there. I don't know why, but this was the point where I started to notice that, like, the use of full names is pretty excessive in this. Like, like the fact that, all right, so Charles, whatever. Charles, uh, they're not calling him Chuck or Charlie or whatever. Whatever. Charles is fine. But then Gwendolyn and Alexander are just two names that aren't often used full. Like, the fact that it wasn't Gwen and Alex and they just kept every single time saying their full names. Gwendolyn Pierce, Alexander Morgan, or just even when it's just Gwendolyn and Alexander. I thought that was so strange. Different times. That's something you no, do not to someone. That. That's something you do to someone you look up to. You say their full name, like Yeah, I think they're because those are the hot people, quote unquote, they're like putting on a pedestal. I think it's like that's not like you don't call a girl like that Gwendolyn. You don't call a boy like that Alex or whatever. Like I think they're trying to say that. But, but it is also confusing because by. he's Charles. Yeah. Like Bender, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, just say like, "Hey, this Ben." Well, it's how you present yourself, typically. Or Patchy. <laughs> I don't know. I I found it. I what found it cum? a little strange. <laughs> oh God! Clip that, please. Three. Three. What about cum? Betty come. <laughs> oh, fuck me, Gordo. Clip that, too. <laughs> yeah. The soundboard for this episode is going to be phenomenal. Uh, go ahead. I mean. 
<laughs> but um, yeah. So, anyways, Lily and Alexander run upstairs to study, despite Charles' best efforts to keep them from going up into her room. He actually wanted them like right in the living room. It's like, dude, you're on a date. Like, I could have seen him telling them to go into the dining room kitchen area and use that table, but he's like, no, you're, you're gonna stay in the living room. It's like, dude, are you nuts? Like, you have a girl over. Maybe he was gonna take his date in the kitchen. I don't know. They were gonna eat Chinese, so it makes sense. They sit at the table. I guess. This doesn't even work too for the classic like parent thing. Like you can have a boy in your room, but you have to have the door open. Like you see in sitcoms all the time. Like that doesn't work when you're on different floors. So like it doesn't make any sense that they would be like yeah, she should be in the kitchen. I like that there was a um the moment he's so distracted trying to make sure Lily doesn't go upstairs that uh Gwendolyn's like trying to get him back. He's like, come on. Like, as he's taking the food out and she says like, get it while it's hot in the crowd wild for that line. Cause obviously it had like a sexual overtone. Yeah. It's not how she meant it, but we are supposed to hear it that way. And then we get, um, as this is happening, Douglas just strolls back into the living room wearing that mask again. <laughs> and he's going like the rebels are taken. Mars is mine. And like, even I like, she gives him, like, the weirdest blank stare, like, when he says it. She's so, like, she she seems like a really down-to-earth girl, but this was the one time that she's like, wait, what? Well, imagine that you're, like, on a date, and you're at some weird house, and the girl you're with, you know, doesn't isn't even related to any these people, and then, like, an alien kid walks in and starts spouting off, like, you're not going to be mean about it, but you're definitely going to be like, what are we doing here? Like, this is a fucking crazy situation. But this... Part of me is like, do you think she enjoys this a little, though? And she's just so, but she's so blank and confused by it because of the dates she always gets taken on. That this is absolutely nothing like what happens to her usually. Yeah. Um, like, she usually goes on the buddy dates where people want to be shown off, right? But now she's just in some weird house with weird kids. Like, I think she might be just, like, shell-shocked by the whole scenario. Well, it comes up later, like, how she didn't want to be, like, thought, like, taken advantage of or him trying to get with her. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the kids around maybe made her feel more like he's not going to try anything so this part that started element? to bother me because she knew what she was getting into going there because he had to stay with the kids and whenever he tries to like go see them and she keeps like yelling at him to come back like pay attention to me not I'm too, day. she wasn't too too much with that though so now it's a little later in the evening we cut forward and charles and his date are sitting on the couch and he's kind of like turned away from her like with his like hand on his face and he's kind of thinking and she tells him that you know he hasn't been paying much attention to her tonight and she's never really dealt with that before and making her feel refreshingly insecure as she said i thought that was a good line he tells her like lily's upstairs with a boy and she's like so what you you're downstairs with a girl you're even and he's trying to explain that like hey i'm being paid to break his legs which obviously she has no idea what the fuck he's talking about looks very confused Obviously, she doesn't have siblings or anything either because she does not understand the difference of her being upstairs in a closed room as an yeah. eighth grader with a boy being equal to those two adults eating Chinese food together in a living room. Yeah, well, it's also like not her family. So she doesn't have any like she was a girl like she doesn't she's not there to stop anything from happening. She doesn't I don't think care. Oh, sure. It's not her family. It's not his family either. Yeah. But still, I feel like you'd understand the difference there. Right. He, um, he shouts upstairs and asks what they're doing. And Lily sa um, says, the door's unlocked. You can come in for yourself and see. But then, like, as he's, like, halfway up the stairs, she, like, walks out. And again, like, to re-explain the situation of the house, 
there's um there's like steps that go upstairs and then it's almost like like a balcony like as if you're overlooking the living room yeah the hallway is also a balcony yeah and so so she walks out and she goes but if you do you'll betray my confidence and i'll hate you forever um or you can go back downstairs with your date where you belong and i'll continue to have my tiny crush on you and that line was so weird that whole thing because now the way she was acting before really kind of goofy and stuff uh, at the thought of this kid coming by. And then she walked out here with this weird ultimatum and very confident in the way she spoke and is dressed different. I thought that at first that this was his imagination. I thought like this was going to like be like a whole flash scene that was going to cut back and not be the reality because of the way it happened. I don't know if you guys. That's it, It's another one of those things that kind of made you feel like you were missing an episode and that this wasn't the pilot. I got that feeling a few times throughout this episode. Ferg mentioned it up front, um, but this was this was like probably the the prime moment that I was like, "What did what did I miss?" Here? It was like, so it, yeah. confusing because she just became a whole different something about the saying the "I'll continue to have my tiny crush on you" Didn't part. Fit. Yeah, what kind of a weird ultimatum is that? That's what made it feel like fantasy, like he was like dreaming it all of a sudden. I thought, also, like, it was why like, did it work? Like this Charles Watt, this fucking eight-year-old, eighth grader to like that. That is the issue I have with it. That he's like, oh, I don't want her to lose her crush on me. Like, hey, Charles, that shouldn't be an issue there. But I think it was probably more the you know you'll betray my trust part more than the I need this girl to have a crush on me. But yeah, but you see it the way you see it. He's gonna have to go on Bob Loblaws Loblog and figure out whether or not (laughs) this is something he can actually deal with. It was uh, it was just really really strange. And then he goes. And opens the closet and Jason's there. And he like, he went there knowing he was in there and starts going over his options with him. And again, this is why I'm like, is this all a fantasy sequence? <laughs> because that seemed weird too. And he's going to the closet to ask this 10 year old for advice. And he goes on for a minute until Jason reminds him that he has a date waiting in the living room, wondering why he's talking to a closet. We go back to Gwendolyn and Jason walks up with him and introduces himself. She says, Oh, you know, I have a little brother just like you. And because of that, it was like the first time that she felt that she was homesick since going to school. Yeah, so, so that, at least the, the explanation that she's also not from there. So, but yeah. she seems like she's living a pretty wild life, also. Well, I think that's kind of the perception. I think or the misconception we, we of it. Yeah. But what I liked was because she said she was feeling homesick because now she's thinking about her brother. Charles tells Jason to go away because you're making her sick. Which is, <laughs> Scott Bayou is pretty fantastic in this. Yeah, I thought his, uh, his timing was really good throughout the whole episode. Just his deliveries. And him he, alone is great. Him with all the other cast is great. Him with Hoover, like the dad especially. They have amazing comedic timing together. We're like, I wish they could have done like a movie opposite each other or something. And like I said, him and Buddy, like I think they had great chemistry. Yeah, they do as well, yeah. After this part here, he's telling Jason, why don't you go upstairs and spy on your sister? And he very much obliges. He's excited to do that. And he wants him to report anything that he hears from upstairs. Which he also says here, do it every, come back every five minutes. Then he looks at Gwendolyn again. And he's like, every 10 minutes. Yeah. And then from that, they cut to in the room. And this is when we're seeing her with Alexander for the first time. You can see visually right off the bat that he was genuinely there to study. There's not any vibes from him that I'm seeing to make me think that he was going to try anything. Um, He's sitting like there's no body language towards her. He's got his book in his lap, and he's there to actually go over stuff. Maybe the book's to hide his boner. It could be to hide his boner, though. That could be something I, I mean, missed. 
she's trying to play some music to set the mood. And he's telling her, like, you know, I can't concentrate with this. And she's like, oh, you don't like this song? I think it's very romantic. And again, I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier when she was saying something to Charles on the steps, where she seems way too confident with him compared to, like, how she was, like, earlier, like, the day before, just with everything in mind. The way she was, like, looking at him and how nervous she was to have him over. And now she's, like, seducing him. Yeah, she turns into, like, a seductress, like, sex pot here, where she's like, I find this song very romantic. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, what? What's happening here? Did she just character. smoke a carton of cigarettes before <laughs> yeah. she said that to him? Alexander, <laughs> why don't you come over here for telling taught her how to speak like yeah. that to boys. <laughs> Can I call you Owen? Owen. <laughs> Owen. That's when this I'm... is the part where she turns into a big horny bird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is when she becomes Robin Williams' brother and Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Any older, you'd be mom. <laughs> <laughs> the sky is a bowl of butter. Yeah, so now they're going over all this stuff for, for the math homework that he's working on. He says, why does two have to equal X? Why do numbers have to equal letters? And she's like, stop worrying about X. X isn't going to affect your life unless you're playing Scrabble. And then it's only worth eight points. If that eight points is all the difference in Scrabble. Scrabble. You can use that X. You feel like a king. Yeah. What if that's over a triple word score or something? Or at least a triple letter score. What if it's just to get rid of the letter so you can actually finish the game? Yeah. You haven't played a lot of Scrabble, but it's like a game that... I don't know. I guess we didn't have enough game nights when we I were. I bet you played plenty younger. of words with friends, though, which is just Scrabble. Yeah. I did. Like when it got popular, I was playing that. I, I don't play ah, it anymore. I forgot about that. We should play words with friends again. I mean, I would. I, I would, would too. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm After starting this, let's all reconvene, yeah. redownload words with friends, and start doing some games. Do they have like five player versions of that? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's one on one only, but I could. It's there must been be like, like a, four years. No, I, I think there's a three player. I don't know if it's, it's more probably like so a we version. could have like a tournament. Yeah, that'll be exciting. The Words of Friends <laughs> tournament. We'll also, get... though, I feel like the tournament, like this game is going to, like if we play against each other, I imagine some of these games are going to go on for like a few days at a time because everyone's yeah. lives are insane. And you yeah. have time to just sit down and play Words with Friends all day. Yeah, keep listening, everyone, and we'll give you the results of the tournament for episode 150. Yeah, so it, now we cut back to downstairs and Charles and Gwendolyn are making out on the couch, which I didn't expect, to be honest. I didn't either. I thought that I missed something and they just came right in. And they were just, you know, necking. It's another part that pissed me off. When they were the kissing. Oh, like, to what happened? Just Gwen's reaction. Yeah, because they're kissing. And then she, she like, pulls see- away. And she gets up. And she's like, you kissed me. Yeah, you and don't like, see the lead up. Well, I, it's not even that. It's just more the... Because I think this explanation goes over it. When she goes, like, you kissed me. He goes, yeah. And then you kissed me back. It was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Because now she's she's talking about, like... If he meant his kiss, like, does she, like, think that maybe he's just trying to get in her pants or something? And, like... I think so, yeah. So, like, was this kiss genuine? Her whole... They're in the middle of a kiss, right? And it's not, you know, they're not going hardcore, but they're kissing and, like, her arms are around him. And for her to jump up like that and be, like, so shocked by the moment, especially when you find out that she kissed him back, this was, like, the reciprocation kiss, was... It was a little confusing in the moment. Yeah, she's the cock tease. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't the, think that's what it the is. Better, the better thing to do would be him going for the kiss, kiss her on the lip, and instantly, whoa, what are you doing? Not yeah. cut into them already fully making out, and then her push back, but what are you doing? Oh, she got caught up in the moment. 
Then she Although can't I do be feel mad. like when she punches him in the face here, it's a little unwarranted because it's not like he came on and she didn't want it. They were kissing each other, and then she socks him, and he takes like a full bump onto the couch. It wasn't like he was you know, honking on Bobo. Yeah, honking on Bobo. It's funny you say honking on Bobo because this scene made me think of that part in uh, that thing you do where Liv Tyler's like, "Shame on making me kiss you with my eyes closed so hard." <laughs> like for some reason, that's what I kept thinking of. <laughs> so to then go into a Steven Tyler reference. <laughs> I am Spartacus. <laughs> Fucking best movie ever. A nice man in a camper wants to sign us to a record contract. We're all signing. Yeah, so now he's really confused himself. And he's like, was it a bad kiss? Like, and if so, can you like, just like, tell me, like, just teach me how to do it better. And then he's like, here, use my face. And he like, he goes, <laughs> he goes to like, kiss her face. again. And she just slaps him and like grabs her coat and runs out. But like, when she grabs her coat, obviously there was, Someone in the closet, but it was Douglas, I think, who was like at the closet this time with the mask on. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> now, Douglas walks into the living room as because he just left and now he's got his gaming system with him again and he's ready to set it back up. He's dragging it like Linus from the peanuts with his uh, yeah. blanket behind him, too. Like He just comes right in with it and just slams it down. And this is like during this point, like after he walks out with his gaming stuff, Gwendolyn walks back inside and she's like. It's not how you kiss me. That's not the point. The point is that every creep that I ever go out with tries to get with me. And like, she thought that he was different and she thought that he was sincere and he like snaps and he's like, don't call me sincere. Cause this came up earlier too. He was called sincere by um one of the parents, I believe. Why would this be a word that you'd be mad that people describe? That's it? I, that's it's not an adjective mad. that is a bad descriptor. He's for taking it like when Marty McFly is called chicken, right? Like, I thought you were sincere. It's like, don't call me that. It was, it was very, it was a weird thing to be hung up on. It's I would be so upset like if this shouldn't said, have been. You're the not pilot. sincere. It's like there should have been episodes before this that explain why that bothers him. Like he's always known as the good guy. And I blah, just blah, think blah, that blah. they should have been at least just a different word instead of sincere used there, like a different term to explain that he's. A goody two like, shoes or something like that. Yeah, are you a nice guy? A goody two shoes yeah. or something? You could at least be like, oh, people could turn that around on you and make it seem. Yeah, shitty. just the word sincere. I've never heard it with negative connotation, so it's just weird for him to take it poorly. So now you like, have to add another word, and if it was like he is such a sincere asshole, you'd be like, <laughs> okay, well, I can see you not wanting to be called that, but just using the word sincere doesn't. Ready? I'll, I'll write it right now. He has this girlfriend. He's super serious with. She breaks up with him. I like a bad boy. You're too sincere. And now he learns to hate that word. Boom. That works. And then he gets on his motorcycle. But even like just sincere just doesn't seem, I don't know. It just seems out of place. It's definitely but, the wrong word. But like during that exchange. One of us better get sincere rewards with friends now, by the way. <laughs> if we don't, we just said the word like 40 times. You know how words with friends is going to be cum and dick and <laughs> All it's going to be stuff. a bunch of three-letter and curse words and then sincere across the middle. <laughs> so starting well, word. Moving on. he um He's talking about how everyone calls him sincere. And part of why he didn't want her to come over is he's just not so sure how sincere he is. So now maybe – so that explains a little bit. Like he has this conflict of maybe I'm not this nice guy that I, that I even think I am. And I'm worried that if I had her over that I was going to have all these urges and whatever. But then she says, sometimes I don't even know how Gwendolyn Pierce I am, which was a weird, like, okay. And we don't know her character enough to have that, to have that line, yeah. make any sense. Like, you haven't earned the right 
or the character to an audience to say that yet. We because don't know talk- who you are. Because we talked about that earlier because we don't know if it's because of promiscuity or because right. of just reputation. But she says, like, you know, I hear all the stories about myself and, like, sometimes I don't want to be Gwendolyn Pierce. And he goes, well, someone has to. <laughs> it's a good retort. But, like, so again, this is this is where I get I, it. Go- I came to that conclusion. Yeah, and I think it could definitely be read that way. I don't think I read it that way, but I think that's the problem and why we said this whole setup and the way she's talking about herself is a tough read because you don't know exactly enough about her. They didn't. Even if when Buddy and Charles were talking about her earlier, if they were like, hey, I heard her and, you know, Mitch were making out behind the bleachers last week, something like that could have given you more insight to, like, how he views her. Yeah. Yeah, All they say is how pretty she is. They don't say anything. Right. That doesn't lead you to anything. I think it doesn't help, too, Gordo, like, to your point, what do you think? Because in the next scene here, like, when they go up to Leela's room in a minute, like, that's an overtly sexual scene. That comes right after this conversation. So, like, they then backload it into something super sexual. So, if you were thinking that a little bit, then your brain's already there when the next scene happens. Yeah, because as they're having the conversation, this is when Jason, who's spying on his sister, like, yells down to Charles. He's like, Alexander said, come on, Lila. You know why I came here tonight. Don't play games <laughs> with me. <laughs> so, Charles is like, okay, thanks, Jason. And he goes back to Gwendolyn. And, like, after, like, a half step, he goes... Wait, and he just he just bolts up the stairs, and you know Gwendolyn falls behind him, and now the two of them and Jason all walk into Lila's room at the same time, and he barges in, and he's like, "She doesn't need you for a boyfriend," because and he's looking at the bed, but he's not in the bed; he's sitting, you know, on the side in his chair, and, and he's she's like, riding him right on top. Nope, and she's <laughs> incorrect for these children. And he's like boyfriend, so now it's like. It's exposed that, well, it's weird because he could have thought that there's something going on between them, but the way she goes, thanks, Charles, and like walks off, like it exposed how she felt about him. It didn't really have to read that way. She made it more telling by her reaction. Like she could have been like, why would you think that he was my boyfriend? You know, and played it off that way would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird because it's just too, too, I don't know. I lost no, my he just thought. embarrassed her. That's all it is. It wasn't even what he said. It's that he bursted in and said anything. I mean, you could see where it would be going. Like, well, it, it wasn't going there. Is I yeah. think uh, was her issue. And now we have like Alexander and Charles end up in the room alone together. He tells Charles like, "Oh well, I didn't know she felt that way about me." And Charles says like, "Well, aren't you the most excellent boy in school?" He's like, "Yeah," and it's like a curse. He's like. The girls want to talk about me, not to me, which, um, like, I get what he's saying. Like, I I thought the way he explained it wasn't great. <laughs> this is exactly how you were in high school, Jay. All the girls wanted to talk about me, but yeah, they didn't want you to, really the, get to You were just, me. like, the sex it idol. It was tough. <laughs> it was tough. I was going to say, from a, from a different point of view, I was going to say all the girls wanted to talk about us in high school, but not talk to us. But the way they were talking about us was not, not, not in favorable. a good way. And then, like, once my movie they career took off. Yeah, so now, like, they're talking, and now we're going to cut down to Lily, who's downstairs with Gwendolyn now. She's like, I can't believe he actually came over to do homework. And, like, we were alone in a room together, and he wanted to do homework. And she says, you don't get a lot of that, do you? And Gwendolyn's like, no, I don't get a lot of homework calls, but I wish I did, because it meant that people would respect me as a thinking person. She's like, but it's Alexander Morgan. Like, I'm supposed to think of him as... And, like, Charles shoots by. He's like, no, you're not. 
and grabs Gwendolyn and takes her into the kitchen. So now it's Gwendolyn and Charles in the kitchen together during that very quick transition. And he tells her, like, you know, all day I've been under pressure because, like, you weren't a person to me. Like, you were a name and a sigh. Like, Gwendolyn Pierce. Uh. I really like that line. It's a really great way. I mean, some of the writing of this show is really kind of weird and off, but some of the writing is so good. And yeah. the, just the line, you were a name and a sigh, I think is kind of a perfect line. Yeah. And, you know, one, and he's telling her, like, once you walked in the room, like, that's when you became you. And I got to talk to you and get to know you. And, like, by the time I didn't – and by the time I kissed you, I wasn't kissing Gwendolyn Pierce. I was kissing you because, like, I had got to know you. Just because you're Gwendolyn Pierce isn't going to stop me from kissing you again. They kiss again, and she asks if he meant that. And he goes, sincerely, which was nice. That was a nice little nice callback to him. Episode is king of the callbacks, man. He's, he's accepting his own role of, as a sincere man, I guess. So now we, now come we back. go back into the uh, we lead into the worst pickup line in the history of pickup lines. Wah wah wah. Which is I yeah I think this is also just another. This, why does together keep coming up? But he just gives her together lyrics here. Oh so yeah when Alexander goes because they go back to the living room and Alexander goes X equals you and I should go for ice cream. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. I know my calculus. <laughs> <laughs> And, if um, only Kevin Farley said it instead of yeah. Alexander. I wish yeah, Kevin I, Farley was the high throb. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird too, though. So, like during their conversation, he's like, "Oh, well, I didn't know you liked me. Let's go, let's go out for ice cream." Because she is part of the problem, right? Because he was saying that all these girls just want to like talk to him because of who he is, and she's part of that. She's not doing the Charles thing where like I see who for, like I see you for who you really are. Yeah, it doesn't she, make sense. She just wants to be popular and be with Alexander Morgan. So, like, I don't know if that constitutes an ice cream date. Also, I mean, maybe day, when they were math. having their conversation, there was one happening, like, sort of concurrently that was yeah. very similar. We just didn't see it. It's possible. When he, when Charles hears that the two of them are going to go for ice cream, Charles takes her aside and does the whole, your father's 35 and he isn't going to have another daughter. You get what I'm telling you? Like, he's doing the whole spiel that the dad did earlier. And she's going... You're saying it's too late for us to go out? He's like, no, we just have to go with you. And then, like, at the same time, the two brothers run down. They're really trying to button this up quick now. The two brothers are running down from upstairs going, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. You can feel the timer Yeah. on this last scene. Like, the shot clock is running low, and they're like, we have to get this all done in, like, 18 seconds. This did run a little longer than a lot of shows we covered. This was, like, an extra minute and change versus, like, the 22 and a half minutes. Yeah, most shows are 22. This was uh, just a shade under 25. Right. And, um, right. So now all six are going to go out for ice cream. So I'm assuming if Alexander Morgan doesn't drive, now Gwendolyn's going to have to drive a bunch of these kids that she oh, this, even is a, know. this is a two car scenario. Unless yeah. they're, I mean, they're in LA. I mean, who knows? They might be in like a neighborhood that has an ice cream stands close walking distance, maybe. Yeah. Or they might have one of those, like, you know, there were cars in the, the like old, like 70s cars that kind of like went into the 80s that had like the three seater in the front. Oh, yeah. So, the big bench. Yeah. Yeah. You could have got away with that possibly too. They're definitely in a situation where they're in one of those station wagons where there's a seat that faced out the back right yeah. now driving to get ice cream. Yeah. But uh, and they use 80s Uber. <laughs> oh, 80s Uber. Taxis is what they were called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right as they're about to head out the door, the, the parents are walking in. And Charles offers for them to come with them. And the father declines and he says, you know, I trust you. And like, I'm sure everything's going to be fine if you're in charge. Sorry, Charles. I'd rather fuck my wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they, <laughs> so they leave. And it was weird because 
So now the door shuts. And now the father and and mom are in the you know house alone together. And it's like there's no children in the house. Do you know what I'm saying? And they just start kissing. Horny parents in sitcoms. That's like that's a thing all the time, right? It's got to be the biggest then, trope out there. Yeah. Nine months later, four baby turtles. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you can't go with that that trope for this one because they don't take care of their own goddamn kids. So they can afford a nanny. It doesn't matter how many they pump out then. Well, although they don't have to watch the kids, they still live in the house with the kids. So the opportunity, I guess, to have the house to themselves, possibly. But yeah, so they're kissing. He starts saying, you know, to his wife, you know, this whole Charles thing is starting to turn out to be a very good idea. And it cuts to Charles, who's still standing in front of the door alone. At this point, he just goes, I can't help it. <laughs> I don't know. I thought they, they kind of buttoned it poorly with him just even hearing that through the door, but him speaking to himself and like tossing his keys up to himself and walking off is kind of a weird end to the episode. It was almost That's like just... they broke the fourth wall there because he was like kind of talking to the camera like, yep, I know it is. It would have been better if they didn't waste the in charge line 30 seconds before this. If he looked at the camera and was like, guess I'm in charge. Dun, 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 nope, dun, that would have been that, terrible. No, that would have been dun, awful. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this, is, this shouldn't dun, have been dun, dun, a pilot. <laughs> this shouldn't have been a pilot because this should have been the origin. Although I said I liked how they did it earlier, but the dad should have had a problem with him living there before. Now he's coming around to it where this would make sense. Like, oh, this is working out. I like this Charles being in charge thing. But he said that twice throughout the episode. This is like the second or third time. Yeah, that he said, he said it twice. So that means did he not like it before? He probably was apprehensive about a grown ass man watching his children. Right, but we didn't get to see that. Is what Ferg's saying? Yeah, yeah. No, the pilot should have been the first. Like I said, the first day he moves in there, right? Like that's what this show needed to be. I don't know. I we talked about it earlier. It doesn't always need to be that. No, but I think in this one, every question that we raise, we're like, we don't know this story. We don't know this or that. I think this would have been a great second episode, but maybe, I, don't, I think this works as a really good pilot, actually. So maybe not, but maybe, maybe th- they probably did it, but maybe you do a flashback episode. Is there point. an unaired pilot like to this? Not, like, I don't think not so. to my knowledge. Not it's to tough my knowledge. to get into this, too, without doing the green light or cancel first. Yeah. <clears throat> Has a lot which, to do with it. Which obviously we'll get into in a minute. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to touch on about the show. Um, the only thing I wanted to bring up is like, I guess because I just like the character so much, I felt an absence when Buddy leaves and he was such a strong part of that first scene. Like he really took over that scene more so than Charles originally. So for him to have such a strong presence to start the show and then disappear after a few minutes and never return seemed a little weird to me. Do you think that some of that, though, is being clouded by you knowing how much of a character he is on the show? Um, I don't know. Because I tried to separate it myself where I was like, this is like the neighbor character in a show, right? Where, like, he pops in for a minute. You think he's really funny. You know he's going to come in every episode. Yeah. But he doesn't need to be in all of this. And if the premise for this episode is a date, he necessarily wouldn't be around for it No, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen the show. So it's not like I have, like, format in my head or anything. But I just think because it was the first scene and he was like the person with maybe the most lines to start the episode, it just seemed weird for him to, if you're watching this blind, it almost comes off like he's in a way just as much of a character as Charles is because of how dialogue heavy he was to start the episode. So then for him to completely vanish, like I could have seen a point where Charles is in the living room with Gwendolyn he's talking to her and you see Buddy looking through the window at them or something and like thumbs upping him or something like I could have I could have seen something like that making sense 
Yeah, but I'm glad they didn't do that, though. Like, I, I didn't feel like there was a loss without him. And I, I've never seen it. Like, it's cool. He's got his friend, but, like, he shouldn't have been in the rest of the episode. We should have been setting up the family. Like, we got the friend. That was cool. Now move on. Yeah, I, I do appreciate Gordo's take on this one just because I feel like we've seen so many episodes of it that Buddy is just such an ingrained character that's hard to separate it sometimes. It could be. You know what's weird for this uh, This too? TV shows like this, I feel like I almost always have like the record to pull out. It actually just genuinely surprised me they didn't release this as a single. For how catchy of a song this is and for how big of a show it was, I can't believe there's not a Charles in Charge record. Press it. I mean, I'll make a bootleg of this. <laughs> Good luck selling them, but... We'll talk off air. They're probably a good uh, aftermarket, black market copies of the Charles in Charge theme song record. No, just make one with a bunch of other theme songs. You can probably sell so that. So I can make sure I get sued by multiple people and not just one. <laughs> and like Michael Jacobs is one of the writers of the song. Yeah, the girl who sings this, Shandy Cinnamon, I don't have any records by her, but she did. <laughs> when I looked her up on Shandy Shandy Cinnamon? <laughs> Her name is Shandy Cinnamon. Is she a stripper at that <laughs> clearly <laughs> not her real that name? Truck stop on McClellan. Stripper at the peppermint hippo. <laughs> <laughs> the peppermint hippo. But uh, but she wrote one of the big songs at Flashdance. So like that was like her big claim to fame. And she's on. She wrote a song on a record I have. So she was doing other stuff, and she has albums out. But the fact that they didn't capitalize on giving her this as a record is even so weird to me. Let the cinnamon. <laughs> but uh yeah so um we covered this in pretty good length i guess the only thing to do now is the green lighter cancel i'll go in the order i'm currently seeing you in so gordo i'm gonna start with you so i didn't i wasn't in love with this but i didn't hate it and i think it did a it, it did something different that other pilots don't do is just kind of drop you off in the in the middle of the story pick up and go and ultimately, I do want to see a second episode, even though I want to yellow light it. So green light from me. Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, I love this. This was my pick this week. Uh, I had not seen this show. I forgot to bring that up, by the way. I apologize. Usually I like to get that out of the way early. That's fine. Uh, but I loved it as a kid. I watched it all the time. This brings me to my happy place, which is like shows from the 80s. We watched in syndication in the early 90s. It just like. Life was easy and good, right? It's like a warm spot. Um, I did like we had a few issues with this. It's kind of weirdly sexual in some places and not in others. But I think every single thing landed except for the weird, weird racism scene, which is the only thing that's just like fuck. That's hard to say. Green light too. But I also putting it in the context of how jokes like that were being done all the time. I, if you don't agree with it, you understand why it's there, I guess. Um, but I just think this show is super funny. You want to see more. You want to see more of these characters. Um, and it's so weird to be like, I can't wait to watch a second episode of this, knowing that we could also do a bonus episode of this show by doing S2E1, because it becomes a completely different show. And that's kind of an interesting thing, too. Uh, so green light for me. Ferg. So um, I'm going to cancel it because I hate racism, unlike Joe. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you but, um, son of a bitch. So um, I, a few weeks ago when we did Deadbeat, I remember talking about how it started really weak and then got much stronger and it became a really good show. I felt the opposite with this. Um, I thought the show starts really strong. And then from the date on, it really started to lose me. And I started to dislike the uh, show. 
And then the last, the very last part, it just very rushed. So it was like the, a tale of two shows. And it was very unbalanced. Um, I am actually really going to cancel it. I did watch it as a kid. Um, and I watched the syndication ones. I don't remember that much about this early first season. I know it is a better show and I did enjoy it at the time. I just didn't think this pilot did it for me. So cancel just based on this pilot. So you're not going to save it. You're going to push it off a cliff in a wheelchair. That's right. Nick. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of echoing what everybody's already said, but uh, in, in our archives, I can't think of a show I've been more 50-50 on because, it, you know, 50% pretty great, 50% pretty awful. Like when, the bad was bad um, up against the good being good. So like it it, you know, up until just now, like I was still on the fence about this. I like the cast for the most part. Um, I would argue maybe there's one too many kids. Um, I think it, it was a little much with that many kids running around. I didn't like Buddy at first, but he actually did grow on me. Um, I didn't continue to want to throw a brick at him. Charles was great. He really nailed the role. He was the most entertaining part of the show, if you ask me. But as far as the pilot itself goes, I think I'm going to lean cancel. Uh, I agree with Ferg in a sense that the second half really fell off and kind of lost me. But um, the first half is a really tough one because I do like the show, you know, after the fact. But, you know, if we're doing our job here and going just off the pilot alone, I don't think there was enough there. I felt like I was missing some info. I felt like the characters were, you know, just kind of thrown at you in the middle of a storyline and um, made it kind of tougher to enjoy it. So for that reason, I'm, you know, it's not a hard cancel, but it's a cancel. All right. Well, I guess I'm in a tiebreaker situation, which is good news for Charles and Charles because I'm going to give it the green light. Um, listen, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't think there was as much bad as you guys did. Um, and listen, I'm going to be completely honest. I thought the delivery driver scene was funny, and I'm sorry. I understand that it's inappropriate. And I understand that you can't do it today. I got a laugh out of it. And I like the way that they flipped it because the driver wasn't actually um, native speaking to Chinese either. That being said, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the show, it's weird because I have a lot of memories of watching it in the past. Not that I have a lot of specific memories of storylines. But this isn't the show I remembered because after this season, it totally flips. So all I remember of the new kids and everything that's part of the show, the other family. So watching this for the first time, you know, when, when I went to watch it, I was kind of confused at first because this wasn't the show I knew, which I think helps in a way because it gave me a more honest opinion watching it. Yeah. Not that the show didn't have any faults. And for me that the scene where the daughter completely flips that scene with the daughter, where she completely flips kind of, confused me a bit because the personality shift really changed the tone for a moment and i didn't understand what was happening there but otherwise chemistry with all the characters is really good there's some really funny lines that were injected there and it was just like a fun watch i don't know i was kind of more uh, of the mindset where i'm i'm kind of eager to see what happens from there the only thing i wanted to mention earlier too that i forgot was i thought it was strange that they never leave the house at all there's no other sets for this entire episode. We just see them in the house. It's bedroom, living room, kitchen, and that's all we got. You see outside the, the front door. Yeah. 
but like um but like we never leave leave the house for the entirety of the episode all the closet of, oh oh yeah to, wow all these a, a lot I'm, of closet I'm forgetting about all this extra shit they have but um yeah so i don't know um i enjoyed it it, it wasn't like uh it didn't knock my socks off but i thought it was a fun watch and that's separating what i know of the future of that show and i, I do think the later seasons are better but that being said um three uh out of five so congratulations to charles in charge um we are giving you the green light I want to remind everybody, and I should have reminded you guys sooner, to follow us on S1E1Pod.com. That's where you're going to find all the links to listen to us on various platforms. But um, you're already listening to us, so you probably know how to do that. But more importantly, it's going to show you how to get to our social medias. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those, we're pretty much everywhere. S1E1Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Give us follows there. We post content almost daily. So um, make sure you follow us. Give us a review, go on Apple, five-star review, leave a comment, um, and just hit us up. Um, all our information's out there. Again, with our social medias, shoot us a message, tell us shows that you want to hear us cover, tell us what you think, things you, you know, like, don't like, whatever. It's fun talking to you guys. It really does. It's meant a lot over the last, you know, year and change, year and a half, almost, you know, getting closer to two years now that we've been doing this, hearing you guys um, reach out in all the different areas that we're being listened to is um very humbling and cool so keep it up we, we, we do like that but yeah that's all the time we have for this week guys thank you for listening again catch us back next week when we're gonna have another new episode for you but that's it that's all the time we have for today goodbye i think we got the best of every brady christmas